All right. I guess I'm starting today, right? Yeah, you're the oddball, so you start. Did you say I have one ball, so I started? No, I said you're the oddball. <laughs> oh, that's true. It's both cases. All right. Here we go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. And I'm Ian Boothby. And we're, we're back once again to everyone's favorite format, us not in the same room. Yeah, I'm actually in a closet right now. I'm in a closet in my office. <laughs> okay. I've been setting it up as a little mini office in the office, a I micro s- office. I see. Yeah, so... Uh, it's a meta, yeah, so, meta office. Yeah, it's very claustrophobic in here probably <laughs> for me, so... If throughout the show, occasionally you hear me going, ah, 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 that's, that's what it is. The walls are closing in. How are things over in the floodlands over the there? floodlands, they're not, they're good. They're good. But uh, you, just so people know, the reason that we're doing the show remotely this week is that it has been uh, requested. I'll say requested. It's not like a law. Although if you go to the gas station, it's kind of a law. Uh, it's been requested by the government that we do, uh, that we uh, just do essential driving for the the next little while because our gas our gas supply is running low mm. because uh, our infrastructure has collapsed here in British Columbia because of all the all the, the rains. So it just shows you how tentative your civilization is, everyone. So don't take it for granted. Um, because uh, because of all the flooding, they've they've had to, well because of all the flooding. Obviously, we talked about this last week. The road the roadways like all the major roads have mostly closed um they did we were able to open one of the one of the highways that stretches out past the fraser valley so that's highway three which takes takes you along a southerly route out to the okanagan which is in the southern part of british columbia and i guess people have been making trucks have been making their ways down to there and then crossing from there in into the lower mainland but unfortunately because of the flooding in abbotsford which is kind of the gateway to the rest of it's not the gateway, but it's sort of a major part of, of how you get into Vancouver going if you're coming from the east um, because of the flooding there. So people have had to divert off the main highway to a much smaller, older one that apparently, according to uh, uh, one of the truckers who comes in to pick up, he took him two hours one day and two and a half another to drive from, from his home very close to Abbotsford into Abbotsford because he has to go back out past Chilliwack out to Agassiz and then come get onto the n- number seven there and then come back around <laughs> through mission that's very long and torturous route and it's it's a, like I say it's not a it was once the way to get out to the to the valley but now it is a way and not the recommended way because it's it's one of those roads where it's it doesn't feel you know it doesn't feel like a major highway because it has like places where it like disappears or stops entirely and you have to turn like make a big turn off off of a road onto another road and you're, you're like this is not efficient so i can't imagine like big trucks doing it it's crazy so so i guess it's just like a big line long line of vehicles like inching their way along that and it's just it doesn't sound great so and then be, because like the other day i went to fill up with gas at the gas station and i it limited me to 45 dollars i could only buy 45 dollars worth of gas so that's part of the rationing right now because yeah the roadways are down and then the the oil pipeline that take brings the oil from Alberta to the refinery here in British Columbia to be made into gasoline that pipeline has been shut down because of of the not all the 
water and everything, so they're worried about they're worried about it. You know, so they have to go through and check it, everything, so there's no leaks, obviously. So that's been shut down. So our gas supply has been cut off. Uh, not entirely. I think that's about. I think it's a third of our gas we get from there. I'm not sure. Absolutely certain. How's it? Uh, how's it been affecting you? Can you still get around to where you need to with uh, that amount of gas? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I filled up the other. I can't remember what day I filled up on actually, and I'm down to the. My, I'm down to one last drive to work and back for tomorrow, and then then I have the weekend though, so I don't have to worry about it too much. And I don't. Okay. I don't plan to go anywhere. So, and we've been we've been pretty good here. Like in in um in Abbotsford and in Chilliwack, there were some uh, there were some uh, food riots <laughs> at the grocery oh, stores. Really? People okay. fighting over chickens and things and uh and my daughter sent me some some photos from their local grocery store in their neighborhood and and all of the produce uh, all the produce and vegetables were gone i guess produce and vegetables same thing anyway all the produce was gone and all the dairy was gone like all the and all the eggs and everything had all been bought okay. and, and it was entirely empty so there's a lot of panic buying going on but i have to say that here in aldergrove like our neighborhood grocery store it's just been regular service like we haven't had any time i mean i was there the other day and there was like a drop in the amount of meat that was available, but there was still meat right. available. It's just really expensive now, <laughs> and it's going to get more expensive because we've lost, we've lost, uh, you know, a major source of our food. Our food is uh, underwater right now, and when it's not underwater, it still needs to get back up and running again. Um, Mary, who hasn't been able to go to work because the because she can't get from where she lives to where her job is because of the flooding. But she was talking to one of the ladies who works there, and her son, this lady's son, works at a chicken farm in Abbotsford, and they were evacuated, and then then the they were brought back. They had they were flown in by helicopter by the company because they needed people there to look after the the birds. But they lost eighty thousand chickens. And that's just one. Wow. That's just one farm. So the entire area was was uh, submerged. So I can't imagine like a lot of the cat, a lot of the livestock, like a lot of the cattle was they were able to get. Oh, but it's, you know, that many birds, it's just impossible to move them because they're all in cages and you can't let them out because then they just stampede and they hurt themselves and it's just a big mess. So, Yikes. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. So, How, how are you doing with your uh, basement stuff? Well, um, it was, so they, they packed everything up. They packed, so they packed a bunch of stuff up and then they, they had someone come and take it away because they ran out of room. And then okay. they then they p- packed up more stuff, and then that was crazy because it was just like a maze in there, like this narrow maze of boxes, you know, taller than me, uh, or, you know, lining the room and and everything. It was quite it was quite impressive, but but also the whole time they were doing this, I was I couldn't help but apologize to them, you know. It's just I'm like I'm I'm sorry I have so many books. <laughs> I'm sorry about this, you know. And they're like they're like oh no, it's uh it's really impressive actually. It's amazing how many books you have. Like. Uh, like, oh, thanks. Sorry. I mean, in a way, like it'd be worse if you were like had to like pack up someone's like crystal collection or something, or their collection of like china figurines or something. That would be like way worse than books. Like at least books, you can just like, you know, they're square, they're rectangular shaped. You can just take these rectangles and put them into a rectangular box, and then they all kind of go in there. But what's interesting about how they do it is they don't like. If I was packing, we did pack some stuff. Like Lisa and I, the night before they came, we didn't know they were coming. So we just packed up, we packed a bunch of stuff off the shelf, like all, all the graphic novels, off of the graphic novel shelves. Like we've packed about 12 big giant totes full of graphic novels. Mm. And and then uh, they came and they're like, oh, you didn't have to do that because we, we'll pack it all up for you. 
was like, oh, okay. Well, it's too late. We, we packed. Because the idea was we'd pack them up and then we'd just keep the totes for Christmas decorations after. And so there. Okay. So, um, so yeah, we packed a bunch of the stuff up in these totes. And then, and then they, but then they came, they came basically the next day. They, they called and they said, oh, we're coming in. And is there a way we can get in the house? And I said, oh, well, we have a, a we have a combination. Like we have a combination lock, deadbolt. Yeah. Like an electronic one. You just press like a com- combination and. And then let's. So I just gave them the combination so they could let themselves in. I think in. we mentioned this last last week mm. that it was twenty four twenty five, right? That's a combination on your lock. <laughs> exactly twenty four twenty five. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that on your home. Your address is on the website, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Maybe someone wanted to drop you off like a gift or something. Sure, sure. Come on over. Yeah. Okay. Right. Come on over. Come on over, officer. And then um, the uh, yeah. So then they came like the next day. Two guys came in. They were there about nine in the morning. And they left at nine at night, so they saw a long day for them. Yeah, that's what I thought. And they were back the next day, and they're they're just as long, like it's crazy. So they're really they're really making hay while the sun shines. I mentioned the one guy I said, "Boy, you guys are really working hard." And he says, "Well, you know, Christmas is coming." So I said, "I guess that's true." But uh, so what they do is they they like if, like I was gonna say like when if I was packing boxes, I would just like pack a box until it's full, and then I tape it up, and then that box is ready to go. But what they do is they only pack a shelf into a box. Or into two boxes, or how many books will fit into the into a box? So, so each so in each box is then marked with the location, you know. So they like they numbered the shelves in the in the basement, so they oh, could okay, okay. so they could figure out where everything went. And so then they numbered them to like shelf, blah blah blah, and then you know, um, or should say, how would they say? I wouldn't say shelf. They'd say bookcase number six, shelf three, or whatever. And then 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 all those books are in one box. And okay. so when when everything's done, then they they'll bring it all back and they'll they'll put them back on the shelf again. And I was like, this is crazy, like crazy. But that's how they do it. So what I'm really hoping is that um, our insurance. Will, so apparently, <laughs> the other day someone called for the insurance company, but I missed it. I missed the call because I was at work, obviously. And then it, it, I guess I didn't really notice they called. And I I guess I and I had a voicemail, but I didn't wasn't. You know, I was just thinking about. I wasn't paying attention to voicemail. I know I should should have because this. You know, you think that right now that's the time I should be thinking about people calling me. But anyway, I didn't, and it wasn't until today that I listened to the voicemail. So it was a lady from the insurance company calling, uh, and I'm like, oh my god! So I called her back today, and so she's coming tomorrow to to look around. But I'm kind of like, well, this is a bit late because all everything's been cleaned up and out of here. But oh well. Right. So my my bad, but I missed dismissed the call and I. And in my defense, she never never called back again. But I guess she did her job. She called and left a message. So it's up to yeah, me. And then went on to the sixty other million things. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, people that are dealing with I'm, this right now. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like right now, it's just crazy. Like the, the I was talking to a guy today with the because then movers came today and they I was really worried today because like unlike before when the flood happened, all my like you know I have one of those basements that you know it has like the foundation wall around the base of the. And so when when they like drywall, they just drywalled to the, you know, they drywalled. Well, the walls were built, and so the but the um, foundation wall sticks in a little bit into the room. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. when when I built the bookshelves, I just I just put them onto the foundation wall. So there's like a like a two two foot space around the room where where you know nothing's on the floor. And so when the flood happened, well, those books are all safe. They're like in these shelves. They're all in these shelves high up in the air. And but then when they packed everything. Now everything is in boxes, just sitting on the on the cement floor. So I was so worried today because we had another big rainfall today. I was so worried that if it came in again, it was going to like soak into these boxes and wreck even more books than than got wrecked before. So um, I was uh, a little 
paranoid about it. So that's the other reason that I did, decided I didn't want to come in today. Besides the essential travel, also just the fact that I was fearful about um, about water getting in. But groundless, it seems to be. It's, it doesn't seem to be in, um, as much. As, obviously, not as much as last week. So it's 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 within the capacity of my my sump to to you know clear, keep it keep it moving on. So that's good. But uh, it's scary nonetheless. Like once it's happened to you, I guess you're you know once bitten, twice shy. So yeah, I know a guy. Well, we both know him. I, I don't feel comfortable saying his name because sure. you know into it. Uh, but it's like three times now it's happened to him that his basement's been flooded in a major, major way. Yeah, yeah. And you know he's lost so much over and over again. It's like okay, now it's okay. No, no. Okay, but now it's a little. No. Yeah. It's like, oh boy. I know. There's just something about that that's. Ugh. I mean, the only. Th- I mean, with the last house, you know, twice we had uh, the toilet above us uh, overflow when the person wasn't there. Yeah. And then you know it just poured through our ceiling. Mm-hmm. You know, toilet water into our kitchen. Yeah, you but... know, just just pouring on the floor. Yeah, and it's just this feeling of, uh, like, it just, <laughs> it just, it just, it just tears you up. Yeah, like water in the house is just, uh, it's just such a phobia of mine. Now. No, you're right because you feel like this is the one place where you should be like safe from the water. Is yeah. in your house unless it's like a rising river that's like rushing towards your house. It should be like we should be safe. I mean, I'm we're really we're high up. Aldergrove is. It's one of the highest spots in the lower mainland. So, you know, like we should be safe from the water. I should be safe from the water here, but apparently not. Yeah, we had a thing in the basement there too, where the ceiling just started to rot out. Mm. Like it just was, and it just like the hole got bigger and bigger. And it just feels like, again, you feel like it's, it's, it's like a horror movie. You're yeah. Just, ugh. Every day it's creepier and weirder. And it's like, well, yeah, none no, of that is. And also, you know, why isn't the landlord <laughs> taking care of that? Well, you know, when we called him uh, to tell him that there was toilet water coming through the ceiling, he said, it's Saturday. Yeah, well, there you go then. I guess uh, <laughs> the house is so broad on Saturdays. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had to really give him the old pressure to, to come in. Mm, well, mm. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, we got a better landlord now. Things are better there. Like, there's a, again, this is like an insanely expensive thing that, you know, where we live now. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, but if something goes wrong, I mean, they still try to, you know, nickel and dime you. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but you know they'll they're decent human beings, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is nice. Though I gotta say, uh, when one of our landlords came over and we were uh, talking about you know a bumping that was going on, uh, she really tried to convince us that it was ghosts. <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah, we had a worker over that was like checking for things and seeing what was going on, and it was you know it's like the wood shrinking and it's like, but like yeah. we were having like you know, kaboom, kaboom. Kaboom! And she was yeah, yeah. It sounds like ghosts to me. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know why? Because ghosts are expensive. Because you can't. Because you don't have to pay for a ghost. I understand that. Yeah. All right. Let's talk to the worker now. Well, I've heard of haunted houses. Okay. Well, my hands are up in the air right now that we're dealing with it. We're now. Can we? We're now summoning the Ghostbusters, uh, and uh, they don't. They're they're not cheap guys. We, you know, that was one thing in the first movie they established. They yeah. They were not cheap. And if you don't pay them, they'll put the ghost back in the. That's what they say. Yeah. yeah. They, I don't think they ever did that, but. Uh, they, well, no, no. The guy, that. the guy paid them. Of course he did. He said, "I won't pay it." Yeah. I'm a big snooty snob. <laughs> you ruffians. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He, he was that generation's. Yes. <laughs> no, I was thinking of oh, this is the second time this has happened. I can remember his name in all other circumstances except for talking on Sneaky Dragon, and then I totally forget about uh 
fine. By the way, this just makes me think, you know who would have been good Ghostbusters is the Marx Brothers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been good. They would all they would have had a lot of a lot of shit to play with there. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been all right. That's yeah. true. That would have been a good one. Like to have them as like a like like just investigating a haunted house or something. Yeah, you get like Harpo doing a lot well, of physical business. Mm-hmm. You get like a, a ghost that's trying, you know, that's uh, you know, and you get like a Chico uh, telling about the, the the owner about the ghost insurance and how it works. <laughs> that would just be keep good. Jacking up the prices. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, could. Chico could certainly make a joke about you know. Well, that's a lot of booze. Aha! Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. Let's uh, see if we can get the gang back together. <laughs> what? They're dead? Yes. Well, they can still be ghosts. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Good. Why not? <laughs> Thought of a really stupid joke earlier today, which was uh, about like you know if ghosts uh, are, are always around because of unfinished business, why are there no uh, businessmen ghosts? Because <laughs> they finish their business. You think all all businessmen finish their business yeah, right before they die? That's where their business. Like, wait went. a second, wait a second, death's a knocking, mm-hmm. and it's like, wait a second, I just got to file this report, <laughs> and I'm good. Yep. Oh, there's never like a ghost who's in a suit and tie with a briefcase that's just wandering up and down the hallway or like uh, filing a report. Or, yeah, you know, filling out an Excel spreadsheet. You when, know, that's none of that. When uh, when Jason when my cousin Jason's dad died, my uncle George, who was probably the most sort of successful businessman in the family. Like he, he was an executive with, um, with a, uh, li- with Canada liquid air, mm-hmm. you know, and he had a, he had a membership in the terminal city club in Vancouver, the snooty business club down there where, you know, you have to, I've entertained there. You have to be a member this, and yeah. the secret entrances. <laughs> there you go. The Masonic handshakes. And, uh, so yeah, you know, but he, when he died, like he had everything all, all ready to go. Like everything was done. Like my cousin, I said to my cousin, "Oh, it must be difficult, like going through all the, you know, things or having to decide stuff." And he was, Jason was like, "No, it was easy because Dad did everything. Like he, like he planned the the funeral. He chose all the hymns. He picked the location. He had already like divested himself of of all these things that we would have had to deal with. He already took care of all that stuff. It was all done. You know, admittedly, he, you know, he was." Uh, had cancer, so he had like a he had like an end. You know, it wasn't like a surprise ending, but uh, you know, there's that's he had no unfinished business. He just moved on. So no ghost for him. <laughs> no, no haunt. No need to haunt. He's just like I'll just go on to the next stage, whatever that is. You wonder if like uh, if you have OCD, if you're going to come back then as a ghost, because you always will like want to <laughs> check a couple more things. Well, that would probably explain why like there's patterns to go to hauntings, right? Like the ghost regularly walks down the same hallway up back and forth or whatever and so oh they, that's true they probably need to do it like seven times and then it's okay or they have to walk turn left at this corner you know a certain number of times and yeah i probably do have some mild ocd so i'm saying this as someone you know not in a mean way but yeah i'm just saying yeah, yeah. so i was washing his hands it's putting yeah. lights on and off yeah, yeah. it's looking lights on and off that well, makes a that's, lot more that's sense. funny because i was being mean so, oh, that's fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll balance each other out. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to be the guy who was standing at the, and going, I look at him and going like, yeah, you do some of that. You know how to do some of that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I Have you ever walked a block away from your house and then just gone, all right, I should check on those shoes and then go back and check shoes. And like, yep. Going. Yep. Are we all done that? <laughs> Haven't we all done that? Yeah. I check. don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I've checked on shoes. It's more, more like things like lights and whatever. Yeah, I mean, I have had the, is the oven on, uh, you know, 
I'm very, very careful with ovens. Like, I will double-check way too much to the point where I will sometimes almost miss a meal. And other <laughs> people will be, like, halfway done with their meal before, before I'm done checking to make sure everything's turned off. But I'm very, uh, very careful with that kind of stuff because I've forgotten it at times. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, boy, okay. that's not good. That's fire. <laughs> yeah. The good news is, that, despite all the rain today, that the shop is dry. Cool. Oh, good, good. Yeah, I thought it would be vacuuming up some water, standing water when I came in, but no, it's oh, all good. Oh, good. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty pleased myself. I wouldn't oh, say, I wouldn't say overly pleased, but I was pretty pleased. <laughs> I, um, if you don't have a topic to start with today, and and heaven knows, I think you actually have. You did. You already started. <laughs> what am I talking about? I had no. Just, uh, I had we're my, a half hour into the, the, the my, rain. That's right. My topic of my life, but anyway, yeah. No, that's no, that's a good. Well, if your life, if you consider the weather to be your life, and, and maybe you, it's maybe a will. it's a part of it. Okay, fair enough. It definitely affected uh, me. It, I no, I don't, I don't disagree, <laughs> and I appreciate uh, hearing. Like, I just I went out ran I ran a bunch of errands and did a bunch of stuff today, and even though I had an umbrella, uh, the uh, the rain was just laughing at me. Was just like, oh. <laughs> one of those ones where your back is it's one of those back where, is like, wet. Under, underneath your chin is wet and it's like how did it get there and it's like because of the wind and it goes under and we're just going to get you wet how do you feel about that buddy like i feel i feel fine okay remember don't stand in any corners because that's where the lakes come and then the cars come and they don't care and you're watching people get the big wave and get hit by the wave and they're so upset and yeah like, yeah yeah that's right because you're where you're standing yeah yeah so um uh no, this was just something I wanted to bring up. So I'm actually oh, sure. like, sure. I'm actually like digging into the mailbag because it, I was going to talk about this, but then we also had a letter that uh, was this topic. So you mean this you mean an email? Uh, yeah, an email letter. Yeah, an electronic letter mail. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, my wife and I do a comic called Mannequin on the Moon. We do that. Uh, it's published through Go Comics, which is you know big. Uh, uh, online distributor of uh, cartoons and whatnot. So um, we do a daily comic, and today we did one, mm -hmm. and I uh, got a comment, and it made me go, huh. And <laughs> I thought uh, maybe uh, maybe it's worth a little uh, chinwag on here and just hear what uh, our listeners think. So uh, sometimes what I do to uh, write cartoons is I go to this uh, website that's, uh, I think it's called Can I Get a Suggestion? And okay. it's uh, for improvisers. And what you can ask for, like, a relationship or a location or what have you. Sure. And it will give you a random one. And then I often, because, you know, one of the, it just inspires you to go, okay, what jokes can I make out of it? Mm -hmm. And so uh, in this case, I got one that was uh, Snake Charmer and Snake. Like, okay. So uh, this, is the, this is the joke that we did that was in t this morning's um, uh, comic, yeah. which is it's a, it's a couple's counselor, and uh, there's a snake charmer, and there's a snake, and they're on the couch. Yeah. And the snake is looking over at the counselor and saying, oh, I admit, he was charming at first. Yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the joke. I enjoyed it. Uh, so, enjoyed oh, thank you. So the fellow, the fellow is there, and he's got his uh, pipe. He's got sandals. Uh, he's uh, got yeah. a turban, sure. uh, vest, black vest. I think it's actually, he actually has like a, a flute, not a pipe. Flute. Okay. What did I say? Did I say a pipe? You said a pipe. Yes. It's a pipe, not a flute. Well, a pi I mean, no, a pipe is not a flute because a, a pipe is either something that water travels through or something that people smoke. No, pipe, pipe or family. I see a pipe, a pipe. Okay. Well, I guess you, you got, you got me there. Yes. But, okay. Yeah. So, um, 
So the first, now I'll just do a little backstory on the first commenter, is someone who comments quite a bit and often will comment in the persona of a bear. So if it's like, <laughs> it's about salmon, he'll be, oh, I enjoy this, I more salmon, please. Yeah, yeah. If it's a talking dog, he will often go, oh, the, you know, uh, the elusive talking dog. Like it was just, yeah, or just do it from a bear's point of view. We're like, not enough honey in this one. Yeah, having some fun. Just having some fun. Right. So today, uh, he said, uh, wow, a racial stereotype. Uh, do you even know snake charmers? snake charmers were banned in India with the implementation of the Indian Wildlife Act of 1972? Who doesn't okay. know that, really? Well, I, me. That was, <laughs> that was one of the people that, that I did not... I didn't know, know that, that either. I read that. I, you know, it's funny that I read. I read this in the morning, so uh, I saw the uh, I saw the comment as well, and I. Oh, okay. And I was like, hmm, interesting. I often don't read the comments for obvious reasons. Well, this this would be one of them. <laughs> yeah, but it's one of those things where I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's okay. First of all, it's a racial stereotype. I think it would be. Now I'm just going to play the technical game. Yeah. I believe it would be an ethnic stereotype. Uh, it's an ethnicity more than a racial thing, but that is true. okay. Right. I don't think, you know, uh, there you go on that. Uh, then it was like, oh, is that uh, an ethnic stereotype? And I go, well, it's definitely a generic character. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. And quite often a generic character can be the basis of an ethnic stereotype. So that is a possibility. We got uh, a letter from our friend uh, Louise today mm -hmm. uh, saying, you know, basically that, you know, she was well, asking... You, that should, you should read it. Okay, I'm going to repeat probably a lot of things I just said. I have a <laughs> snaky dragon question for you. Uh, there was a Go Comics comment on a recent Mannequin on the Moon snake charmer cartoon saying it's a racist stereotype. Uh, did not say racist. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, but okay. Uh, is it? <laughs> I can't decide. It's true that snake charming is still being practiced, albeit illegally. Does that make it not racist? Or does it pigeonhole all South Asians as quaint marketplace buskers? Uh, I figured out another commenter was referencing the character of Haji from the closing credits of uh, Johnny Quest. He's doing some snake charming and levitating a coil of rope at the same time. She gives a picture of that. I'd be more inclined to say it's a stereotype since it's the only South Asian character and he's the one depicted as having uh, this exotic and magical skill. Please discuss. Okay, so I'm I'm taking that and I'm taking that into uh, discussion. Sure. Uh, yeah, Haji is magic in uh, in Johnny Quest and all, and seems to be the only magic character. And in that show, I guess it's implied and or inferred that the magic is based in his faith, which, if you take it to the next degree, means Hey, guess whose faith is correct? Haji's because he can float uh, and he can make a rope dance and he can do all this other stuff. So something's empowering that, but that's a totally different thing. But like, uh, definitely you could say that Haji at the time being the only South Asian, main South Asian character, uh, you know, yeah, you could go that that was a, a bit of a stereotype. That's, that's fair. That's fair enough on that, especially since he's got magical abilities. It uh, doesn't mean he's a negative character. I don't think someone like Tonto is a negative character. I think he's a very positive character. But is he a stereotype? Yeah, 
<laughs> he is for sure. Sure. Uh, so you know, just because something is positive doesn't mean it's not a stereotype. I guess, um, but I think I think a cowboy character is also kind of a stereotype. So you know, I think true. Uh, the problem. The, okay. The the answer to that one though is uh, so you've got a, a white guy who's being a cowboy, and he's you know the John Wayne type. You're going to see a whole bunch of other uh, white people on TV. Uh, that are doing a variety of different things. So it's not like yeah, yeah, no, no, I know, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying, yeah. like, I think that in both, in like, something like Tonto and the Lone Ranger. I just think that both of them are kind of these sort of archetypes of that are kind of shorthand for something. And right, anyway. but you're going to see other people that look like the Lone Ranger who are doing other things and doing other jobs. Whereas if you see someone who looks like Tonto, they're probably going to be doing something that you would. Uh, see someone doing in a play set called Cowboys and Indians back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. They're not going to be doing a jigsaw puzzle. They're not, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a limited amount of things. Sure. And there you go. Now, okay, going to the, I was going like, oh, so snake charming is illegal. Here's, here's what's up with that. The reason that snake charming is, is, was illegal or is illegal is because it was illegal uh, from 72 on to own a snake. And the only way to train a snake is to own the snake. So they don't want people to own snakes. That's that's what's going on. But uh, according to Wikipedia, and when has that ever been wrong? Uh, apparently, uh, snake charmers have organized in recent years, uh, protesting the loss of their only means of livelihood, and the government has made some overtures to them. So uh, there are still snake charmers, but it almost became uh, extinct in in India to to be a snake charmer. Okay. So. So there you are. So but they do they do exist. Uh, some some legal, some illegal, and and there you are. Yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a weird one because to me, you know, the, the the way that you answer this if it's anything else is are there any other like the problem with Apu as put forward in the documentary, the problem with Apu wasn't that Apu was a negative character. He was actually a very positive character on The Simpsons. He was one of the hardest working people. He, you know, uh, he was actually had a lot of uh, backstory. He was a computer programmer, all this stuff. The only problem was there was no other Indian characters on television at the time. So the only Indian character was someone who was being portrayed uh, by a white person who was basically doing a Peter Sellers type accent. Once again, it's... It's not that Peter Sellers doing the party, uh, the character in the party is negative. It's just if the only uh, South Asian person on television is portrayed by a white person, that's that's an issue. Mm-hmm. And so with with the comic here, it's like, OK, this is is this the only Indian person that we have put on in, in the strip? And could we make our strip more diverse or is there something along those lines? But it's hard to do when it's a gag a day situation. You know, it's not like there's fully developed characters at all. Everyone is just a quick shot, you know, uh, in and out joke, uh, condense the information as densely as possible and just uh, trim everything that's off to the side. Unfortunately, when you trim everything that's not the joke, uh, you do not get depth of character. You're just focusing on the joke. So my short answer is, I don't know. It might, <laughs> it might be. It might be right. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Hmm. I don't what are your thoughts, David? Uh, well, maybe I'm l- less less sensitive. I don't know. I, I just feel like I don't see any problem with using archetypes like that for humor, as long as it's done in a 
in an open-hearted way that's not it's not mean you weren't like making fun of the idea of of that you know it it's the joke is that they you know the joke is the snake's feelings about the relationship and the, the, the just the, the circumstances of the scene you know that they're in a marriage counseling or couples counseling and you know it's i don't know i just feel like i don't know i feel like it's not i mean i don't feel like i i mean i think uh, Louise sort of misread or mis- maybe mis- misremembered the comment and by saying it was a racist character. The person didn't say that. He just said it's a ra- racial stereotype. But um, I don't think it's the most. I don't think it's the most um, invidious racial stereotype that South Asians can have. So, like, I don't. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. There's lots more like terrible things that people uh, say about them or have as sort of their their characteristics or whatever. So. Like, yeah, it's not. Pretty, again, it's pretty it's, mild. This is a dance to me. Well, it's not even mild. It's, it's like to me, it's not even. Is it negative? No, it's not. It's take not, that out. Of, yeah, take that out of the equation. Yeah, you know, it could be you know so and so. This this group is good at math. Well, that's positive. Yeah, <laughs> but if the only thing that you're putting forward is that, yeah, then yeah. we do not have a well developed. But, but I think that. Problems. But that's something that's that's something that's isn't like it's not really positive or it, it's more of um like it is a racist idea that, that one group of people only one group of people are as good at math or that only one group, group of people are good at jumping Like that is a racist idea the idea that someone you know the idea of portraying someone that actually is something that exists which is a snake charmer and put that into a joke i don't see that as 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 uh harmful you know like like i i think it's harmful to like characterize a, you know, a group of people is being good at math when obviously not all of them are good at math, and it's kind of a meaningless thing anyway. Like it is, it's just, it's just basically like a, a shrug. It's like shrug off of a group of people. You know, um, that group of people are sure good with money. Like, like not all of them. And what does it even matter? Like, why would you want to characterize a group of people like that? You know, and it just, it's, it's, it's a way of like, it's a way of, um, I don't want to say demonizing, but it's a way of excluding them or or downplaying them maybe that's a better way of saying it do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like this you I know mean, this is, like that's not a, you know go they're not good they're not good at studying they're not like good students who like put put their all into their work no no they're just good at that thing it's just like a a racial char- character of the of them that they're good at math and so it doesn't matter what they can just like show up one day a week to to math class and they'll they'll ace the class you know cuz they're just good at math that's not how it works they're just you know the, my, the the people who are good at math are good at math because they're they're people who like to do their homework and study. So that's what makes them good at math. You know, yeah. like, like it's just a it's just a to me that's a mean thing to say. And then if you say it in you know about a group, then it's a racist thing to say. But I don't feel like the portrayal of a of a South Asian person or East Indian person as a snake charmer is intrinsically racist or or even like a neg- necessarily negative thing. Like, I don't know. Uh, obviously, anything you do, anything you say about someone could be made into a racist thing if you wanted it to be that way. Like, uh, but I don't think that's what you were... I don't think that was the intention of the strip at all. Like, I don't think that's... Oh, it was. We meant it to be as racist as possible. <laughs> Look, uh, but that's not relevant to the thing. <laughs> I almost try and quite often we miss. Um, well, at least you try. I mean, it's like A for effort, sir. Well, thank you. 
you. And Dave, let me say, you're one of the good ones. <laughs> well, thank um, you. That's what people. That's uh, to that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's. You mean it's, one of those good Americans, unlike the rest of them? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I know, uh, comedy-wise, yeah, that the the knee-jerk response uh, immediately to anything like that is, "Hey, buddy," like that's <laughs> like no one gets told, you know, that their joke is, uh, you know, uh, anything. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Without, uh, especially leaning towards racist, sexist, homophobic, without going, but yeah, oh, come on. And, you know, as we've seen from and talked about on the show, like Cliff, Cliff Nesteroff has been posting and we'll have a book soon, but well, two years from now, uh, but we'll have a book of, of uh, you know, talking about cancel culture and how every comedian from like the 1900, early 1900s on has gone, people are too sensitive nowadays. They're just too sensitive. The one he had from 1904, like, you can't say anything anymore. Yeah. And it's like, okay. So I definitely don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. But I do, want to, I do want to parse through, you know, this kind of thing. And it's interesting, too, how it goes from, you know, uh, this, is a ra- this is a racial stereotype. Yeah. Okay, well, it's not racial. So let's, let's say what things are, you know, it's ethnic is different than racial. Sure. sure. Okay. And then, and then Louise, you know, uh, goes to it. Yeah. He said it was racist. No, he said it was racial. And is there a difference? I know it's like, well, what's the difference? But there is a difference. Yes. There is quite a difference. Between something being yeah. racial yeah. and something being racist. Mm-hmm. And definitely everything that's racist is racial, but not everything that's racial is racist. And I know they're interchangeable usually when you're having someone go, ha-ha, about what you, what you said. Yes. And again, I've got to go that I'm coming at it from, you know, 50-year-old white guy perspective. So, yeah, I'm, I'm blind. I got blind spots to a lot of shit that I need people to point out to me and have me go, oh, fuck, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Got to, got to watch out for that. Yep, fair enough. Fair enough. And I'm lucky with things like, you know, our, our friend uh, Nina uh, from, you know, uh, on, on last week's show and many of the shows. That's, what, that's how we know That's how we know her best from last week's show. Yeah, that was the, that was the first time I can remember meeting her. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty I know, sure I, I met s- her before. Yeah, yeah. No, I felt the same way. I was kind of like, so this is Nina. This is really nice. Yeah, and- I kept whispering to you, who is this? <laughs> and just like, and you just kept going, play you know, along. Yeah, I was just like, kind of okay. shrugging, like, uh, you know, like. Because you know us 50-year-old guys in our mm-hmm. memory loss. So I, much so that we still think we're 50. I stopped um, outside of a house on the way to your place, and this, this lady jumped into the car. <laughs> oh, well, lucky. I, that's, a, that's not bad. <laughs> Wait, can I say that in this day? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But something, <laughs> something that she does without me even like mentioning anything yeah. is you know, if we've got group scenes in the book that we do, Sparks, mm-hmm. which you do, Mm-hmm. Uh, there's gonna, they're going to be diverse, yeah. you know, and that's just the natural thing for her. It's just like, yeah, that's the way the world is. Yeah. Unless Whereas, I, co- unless I color them, they're going to be diverse. That's right. And you're just like, make <laughs> someone purple. That's you know? where, that's where it falls apart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but she, she, she immediately does that. Whereas like there are some other artists that I know mm-hmm. who, if you don't mention it, absolutely everyone's going to be white. Yeah, everyone's yeah. going to be white. Everyone's going to be heterosexual. Everyone's going to look generally the same. Yeah, and it's like yeah, yeah. that just because that's what they grew up in, and that's, that's what that yeah, is, that's, the, that's, that's the that's the uh, that's our culture. That's what we that's the the well we drank from for a long time. Yeah, and, and, and there's a thing too that happens when when Pia and I do uh, the, the uh, my my Latina wife 
right? That's a, it's <laughs> mean okay, right? Yeah, um, that's so right, yeah. When, 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 when P and I, and also half finish, yeah. which is about as good as you can get. Um, of course. Uh, when P and I do uh, a bunch of cartoons for Mannequin or The New Yorker, or sometimes it's a lot of crossover between there, uh, we do a batch of cartoons and we submit them to The New Yorker now, in those cartoons, uh, there are, you know, there is there is quite a bit of diversity of character. We try to now. You got to be careful, though, of course. Yeah. If you uh, have, you know, someone uh, as the negative character, sure. You know, you're like, okay, you gotta you gotta keep an eye on that because you know, again, there is still not that much representation. So if there's if the representation as is the negative character or the jerk or you know something that you know has tied into a past negative stereotype, yeah, you got to keep your eyes open. But sure. just in general, we try to make the the comic as diverse as possible. And if, if you can't put in a same-sex couple, you put in a same-sex couple. And if you, you know, you just do what you can. But you don't do that for every one of the strips. Now, what the New Yorker then chooses, you know, is this one or that one or whatever. But you don't see the other ones that, yeah. we, that we did. So you might just go, hey, they only do da 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 <laughs> And it's like, well, those were the ones that got picked. So I don't, I don't know. But uh, we do try to reflect what's going on as much as, yeah. uh, as, much as, as, much as we can. Now, we hear what you're saying, that you, you're very diverse in the cartoons that aren't as funny as the other ones. Whoa! <laughs> hey, it's, it's okay. I'm married to a Scottish woman, so it's okay if I say that those people are good with their money. Okay. So, it's, you know, it's just perfectly fine. And they use their uh, nephews as uh, just uh, workers in their quest for treasure. <laughs> That's right. Well-known, well-known uh, Scottish characteristics. <laughs> yeah, it's like I do again. It is weird being corrected on this by a bear, but uh, sure, it was, it was interesting. Like going, like hmm, okay, yeah, that's something to think about. And, and you said, hey, sometimes and, we uh, draw brown bears, sometimes we draw black bears. Like we can't. And I say only polar bears. That's very that's very racial of you. Yeah. Okay, so I'm on the can I get a let's see if let's see if something stereotypical comes up. All right. Uh, I'm on the can I get a location, relationship, or word. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to go relationship first and see if sure. we get a stereotypical sure, sure, sure. relationship. Maybe we could even write a joke. Oh. There we are. See oh. relationship, random relationship. Here it comes. Yep. Postal worker uh-huh. meeting a UPS deliverer. <laughs> All right. Huh. All right. Oh, now there's the trick. It's like, uh, you know, uh, do you make them both the same race? What do you do? Oh, is that saying all delivery people are this? Or do you make them different? Oh, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Hey, are you picturing them both as men? Well, okay then. I guess that's the way that is. No. Anyway, you play this stupid game forever <laughs> and be this jerk. I guess you can't say anything. Uh, postal worker and UPS deliverer. Oh, okay. Uh, I, oh my God. <laughs> What's wrong? I'm just, I'm just picturing now. I know the, I know the damn joke, but it's like it's such a 1960s joke, uh, and it's, uh, it's just the postal worker walking in on, uh, on his spouse in bed with a UPS deliverer, and just going, "Oh, you're replacing me here too." That's what that would be the joke. Hmm. Sure. Sure. No, all right. Give me the better one then. No, no, I don't have a better one. I, the one I had was totally, totally horrific. So no. Um, Very good. Then I'm gonna ki- I'm gonna click it one more time. <laughs> Kate, go ahead. Author editor. I've done a lot of these. Author I've done a lot of these. Author so editor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anything? <laughs> Anything from author editor? Yeah. Uh, no, nothing spring, springs to mind. I'm sorry. 
All right, it's. Uh, I so mean, obviously, we together. could we could workshop it for a while, but it seems kind yeah, of it's, it's, boring. It's, it's Bible times. It's Bible and, times. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, so it's Bible times, and so you got the editor. Yeah. And he's sitting in front of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah. And uh, and he's saying to them, "Okay, uh, I've noticed a lot of similarities uh, similarities in your stories." That's good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. How about... Right, um, this one, how about this? It can also be okay. good news. We're using all of you. So how about if he's saying to the uh, this person... Oh, that's too silly. No, forget it. No, go, go ahead. Okay, I was going to say... So you say that this person took down everything you said wrong. Could you describe him? No, it's just... I'm so dumb. So dumb. Sorry, everyone. I like it. Okay, uh, do one more here. Uh, relationship. This isn't a relationship. Yeah. This is just rats. Just says rats. <laughs> Okay, two so rats in a relationship. Huh. Okay, so it's a couple of rats in a relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Thinking no. <laughs> no, sorry, nothing's coming to mind. How about if they're in a okay. maze? How about if they're in a maze? Okay. We add the maze. That seems like a good further corny thing. I'm just I'm just trying to think of something. I'm sorry. Um. Hmm. It's a rat. He's smoking a cigarette. Going. I got hooked on these things when I was working at the lab. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. See, this is the nice thing, is you can do jokes about animals, and, uh, and you're usually all right. <laughs> Unless PETA uh, gets upset. Yeah, then they're... You know, they're that's yeah. right. They'll, then they'll say, right. this is a rational stereotype. <laughs> all right, we're going to do one more. Here we go. And let's, do, let's do... You can go location, yes. relationship, or word. Which one would you like? Uh, how about word? Word. Okay, here's the word. Frustration. Mmm, Frustration. Hmm. Um, how about <laughs> how about uh, okay? Go back to the rats. There's two rats. <laughs> this is usually how it goes. Okay. <laughs> One's in the trap, and the other one's standing beside him. And the rat in the trap saying, "How about some advice that doesn't have gnaw in it?" <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. There you go. That was frust- that was frustration. Know, What's that? Frustration term? just feels like a board game. But it's one you can never get out of the box. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That or the rules are so hard, no one ever gets get, get ever gets to play the thing. <laughs> anyway, this is can I get a ellipsis? And yeah. uh, there you are. That was fun. Yeah. Thank you. For, I, thank I you for that. that. Thank you for that. Let's we'll put that into our we'll put that into our we will return to that pile. But uh, yeah, if. Uh, I would be very interested in uh, hearing what um, our listeners think about uh, about that, and maybe the uh, cartoon in question. Is that a racial stereotype, and is that a negative thing? Yeah, go to Go Comics, go to Mannequin on the Moon, uh, uh, care of Go Comics, and uh, not only read that, but also like it, and then come back to us and tell us what you thought of it. I don't think I don't think Louise wrote this show. In fact, I'm pretty sure man, she might have had some stuff in it. Um, but there was an old theater sports show uh, that I want to say was uh, "Looks Like Reindeer." I think that's was the name of it. Okay. Later, there was a sequel called uh, "Look More Reindeer," mm-hmm. uh, and it was a collection of sketches and songs and what have you. And there was in the opening number. There was uh, it was a big Christmassy number, sure. and then uh, there was uh, songs about what's going on outside on like Robson Street in Vancouver, yeah. and there was a line about uh, and there's Asian youth gangs in the lane, mm. which uh, which there were at the, all, at the time ahead. at the time it was very yeah. it was very much in the news 
Right. Not only Asian games gangs, but also their complete ineptitude at, at, at as uh, at shooting at each other. Yeah, they were not very good with the shooting. That's right. No, there's yes. a lot of pot shots taken, and, and unfortunately, there are no innocent people hit. And, yeah. But yeah, they seem to be hitting everything but other people, and they're uh, it's they've gotten better at it now, which is worse somehow. Yeah, I think we might be going down a bad uh, alley ourselves here with uh, with that. But <laughs> uh, it got mentioned in speaking of it's in the news. It got mentioned in a newspaper, which then got... I just meant uh, gangs. I didn't mean Asian gangs. Sorry, everyone. Very just good. Gangs in general. Well, well done. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, it got mentioned in a paper, and uh, and theater sports ended up taking uh, the first of what would be a couple, I guess now, of uh, racial sensitivity classes. And so uh, I, was, I was not part of the show, but I was part of the class. Okay. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, what we, what we got was we got a couple of people... Who normally would go to a place of business and they would go, okay, what are what are some stereotypes? And then you write them on the board, okay, yeah. what are some positive stereotypes? What are some negative stereotypes? What are are, are both bad? Or then get all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of try to get into the practicality of doing improv and avoiding stereotypes in improv. And this was the the one kind of like I don't think they could answer this, which was uh, and I, and since that time I've kind of figured out. Maybe we brought this up on this on our program before. Yeah. Which was okay. So we are mostly uh, white folks doing this. There's, you know, there was some diversity and there was some diversity, uh, definitely in, in gender and uh, uh, sexual orientation, but uh, mostly white folks. Yeah. Um, this, that was so that was like, Vancouver of its day was pretty white bread. Right. So we would uh, and you know we didn't do a lot to try and stop uh, to diversify. <laughs> there was not a lot of effort. Sure. Sure. Made. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard to get into that company. So, mm-hmm. uh, so say you're doing a scene and you ask for a suggestion. It's like, what's a location? And you get a location that is a non-white country. So say, you know, uh, okay, can we get a location? And someone goes, China. Okay. Mm. Now you've got to set up yeah. China. Sure. You've got to establish that yeah. in about 15 to 30 seconds. 30 seconds is a lot. Uh, 15 probably. Mm. So from the first two lines of dialogue or physical bits of business, you've got to set up what is China mm-hmm. without doing a, uh, a, a, I'll say a defensive stereotype, but ideally not a stereotype. Yeah. So we, that's what we turned to them and said, like, how do you do that? How do you, uh, and, and they were like, well, you know, you look into, you know, what is China beyond the, you know, obvious this, this, and this. And I was like, yeah, 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 understood. <laughs> but how do we do that in 15 seconds? Like, if this was a play, yeah. you could then get depth of character, you could, we could learn more, we could see things that aren't necessarily what's right on the nose. But first of all, you've got to get a laugh, probably in those first 30 seconds, at least a minute. And and two, uh, how, do you, how do you get that atmosphere? Boom. And, and also, uh, we were really a bunch of dum-dums. You know, like if you if, if you were to get Germany, you'd get a Nazi scene. Yeah. If you were to talk about <laughs> Russia, you'd be getting Russia from the 1950s. Yeah. Like you'd be yeah. getting like yeah something way from the past. You'd, like, you'd yeah. get Everyone knew the yeah basic, basic. It's not even that you're just you're getting what you'd get is the uh, the um, entertainment that we'd already seen getting is being turned back at you again. So yes, you know, and and the answer that I found later on was just like. We'll get a more diverse group of people in your then you're fucking fine. Yeah. You know, then that takes care of that. And you got some people, you know, you got you got someone who looks like they might be from that area and they're doing the thing. <laughs> now you're fine. Sure. Well, we ended up 
ended up getting in the meantime, like about 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, but more like around 10 years ago was, you'd have uh, the white guy go on stage and do something that the audience would go, whoa! And then someone who looked like they were from that group who was in our cast would come on and back them up on it and go and, go, and, and join in. And it'd be like, ah, well, they seem to think it's okay. Then I guess what <laughs> that guy did is all right. Oh, so we're so we're fine. Yeah. That or you just be that guy off the top who just goes, fuck it, I'm just gonna do it. And you just like plow through it like and just take the heat <laughs> and just like just just you're burning up through the atmosphere as you're doing your bit and you're a charred <laughs> skeleton by the end, but you're like, Nope, I'm gonna do it. And there you are. But for the most part what you get is you get the uh, the one, you know, usually the one or two people who are not white dudes on the bench who are now obligated to go on and go, yeah, he's with me, uh, so it's okay. Here we go. Yeah, no, I'm fine with this, whether or not they were fine with it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, uh, yeah, I don't, it, you're, you're right. You do describe a conundrum there, like how do you, in shorthand, which is what stereotypes are, are shorthand ways of talking about things. You know, it, it, it can be lazy, but it can also just be like shorthand. So, you know, when you, when you want to draw a picture of a, of a Chinese restaurant, you have like these go-tos that you're going to put in those chi that Chinese restaurant, you know. And it, people will look at it and go, oh, that's a Chinese restaurant. Because that's what, what we understand is the shorthand for this thing. And so there we go. It's done. Is it fair? Is it... Is it uh, you know, is it stereotyping? Probably, yeah. But at the same time, you just want to draw it. You just want to, you just want to get it done, right? So you just kind of choose the the easiest way to do it. You know. Yeah. The other the other problem there is so say you're the person asking for a suggestion, like give me a location, China. Yeah. And you're like, I don't think I can do China uh, without being stereotypical. So you go, uh, no, thank you. What else have we got? India. Mm, no, <laughs> don't think so. What else we got? Uh, how about um, Germany? Oh, yes, Germany. Let's take Germany. We're going to take Germany. We're all in Germany. Here we go. It's like, what the hell? Why aren't you taking the other suggestions? Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, we're just going to do scenes that take place in predominantly white countries, and let's go. And now the only representation used to be at all on stage. Yeah, yeah. Foreign stories are the very safe, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, Whitey McWhitington locations. Well, that was something that so, was... Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say, oh, that's something that surprised me when we were... When we were doing um, the Marx the Marx Brother podcast, when we were doing uh, uh, full Marx, was that yeah, was that the you know like all those characters, all all the characters that the Marx Brothers played started off. Chico's still was like you know still kind of embedded in that in that time, but they all started off as like racial stereotypes that they would play on stage. You know, Harpo had a red had a red wig because he played an Irish character. He was the Patsy character. Groucho was the German character. He was the you know, and then Chico was the Italian character, and then Gummo played another character of that, you know, and so everyone had, like, a racial character, and we think, you know, and to our modern selves, of course, we're like, well, this is pretty awful, <laughs> you know, how entertaining was that for people, but the reality was that people loved it because they saw themselves on stage, you mm -hmm. know, Italian people go to, the, go to the theater, and there's a person making fun of Italian people, and they're loving it because they're like, hey, that's us, you know, you're like that, that's what you do, ha ha ha. Or just like, it's pretty cool, like someone is paying attention to us, you know, we're pretty used to, pretty used to getting ignored here, so this is kind of nice. And I think it's just kind of a weird thing, like, um, you know, obviously you would prefer that it's not stereotypes, that it's just real representation, but 
I guess at the time it was better than nothing. I guess that's how they viewed it. I don't know. This is weird. It just was surprising to me, though, that, you know, because you just, when you read about that, you're kind of like, ugh, like, boy. Well, it's, uh, that reminds me of, like, uh, my sister's favorite comedian is Russell Peters. Mm. And, uh, you know, his, his shtick is, you know, uh, making fun of, you know, the, his culture, but then every other culture. So he'll go, he'll, he'll say, you know, are there any people from Bababa here? Yeah. And if you're, if uh, my uh, uh, Cantonese Canadian brother-in-law is with my sister, yeah. she'll be going, over here, he's one, get him. And it's just like, I don't know. A lot of driving, a, a lot of driving jokes not, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's not a great look is someone going, he's one of them. He's one of them. Like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but the thing is, uh, everyone wants to be talked about, you know, even if it's, even if it's joked about, even if it's somewhat mean, yeah. it's better than not being talked about. Yeah, it's better. And so, you know, it's some acknowledgement. It's, sure. uh, it's appreciated, sure. you know, even though the, the, definitely the, the, he then flings out the stereotypes, but, you know, uh, because he is not of the mainstream, yeah. uh, then it's like, yeah, that's fine. Gets a bit he's, of a pass. He's, yeah. He, yeah. He's got the perspective mm. that allows this, even if he's not, you know, directly connected to who he's sure. talking about here. He's sure. been through it. And so there you go. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, the jokes that he, the ethic jokes that he makes as like a, as an Indian person are, are, are very much in his, in his experience growing up and his family and stuff like that. He's not, he's not saying that everyone is like that. He, he's often talking about his dad. My yes. dad did this. My dad was that, you know. And Someone's going to get hurt real bad. Yeah. yeah, and he's not and he's not saying like every kid who was, you know, of East Indian descent grew up with a father like this. What he's saying is this is what my dad was like and that's that's a universal thing for everyone though. Like people mm-hmm. of, of all all everyone there can be like, "Oh, you know, my parents were like that or my parents weren't like that or well, that's too bad, you know, oh, that sounds terrible, but kind of, it's kind of funny how you're describing it or whatever." You know, like we all can can sympathize or empathize with that you know and so yeah i just if that feels like the right way to do it i i, I know i don't know i it's it's so it's so it's such a minefield it's so, <laughs> it just feels like because i feel that way too like like when you cut like um when you cut things out of out of media because you're afraid of offending but what you end up with is no representation in that media of any kind because you cannot, you don't, you don't want to allow someone else to represent a group of people, which is fair. You know, they should be allowed to represent themselves, obviously. But in lieu of that, you know, there's, it's also nice if you are, you know, of an ethnicity to be able to see yourself in the media, you know, whether, and I don't mean it's a negative thing. I just mean in the background or, uh, you know, a, a, you know, incidental character or whatever, like that's, that's exciting to you, you know. Like if you if you're never present present in the media, to at least have something, you know, some element of it, you know, it's. But it just feels like our desire to to you know be sensitive to other people, we're kind of erasing them from me in media at the same time as we're trying to be sensitive to them, you know, unless unless they can do it themselves. But when you are a underrepresented minority, you know, your media presence is pretty limited, you know, like you know. There's uh, thousands of other people who also are fighting for the same same limited attention, same limited space of you know entertainment or whatever, and so you know it's it limits how how many people can be seen and how many people can be heard and how many and what groups will be heard and everything you know like so I don't know I it just it's I wonder uh, tricky. If that is true though like like 
there's really nothing stopping. I mean, okay. But what you're saying, there's there, there really isn't limited amount of audience for, for no, things. No, I don't mean limited amount of audience. I just mean a limited amount of attention. Like, you can, like, yes, you could go into YouTube and have a YouTube thing and have, a, but, you know, you still have to, like, get people interested in what you're doing, you know? And so that's a, that's an uphill battle for everyone, you know? Like, it doesn't matter. Right, but then you're, like, a Lily Singh and you do some videos. And, and, and because <laughs> you do, uh, sort of, uh, because there's no one that looks like you doing this stuff. Yeah. Then, you know, things really take off for her and mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. there you go and there you go. But I think like there's nothing stopping. Well, did I say there's nothing stopping or things stopping. But like they're, they're, a, a person can start an open, like most stand-ups start an open mic nights, you know. Yeah. Uh, but there's something that makes you feel you are not welcome at an open mic night or starting your own open mic night. Mm. Because the only time that someone like you is brought up at an open mic night. Yeah. It's, 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 it's in a, a, a capacity that you do not relate to. Sure. Or it's in like a, you know, there's really very little difference between, except for who's telling the jokes, mm -hmm. but the jokes themselves are not that different from a Don Rickles joke and a Russell Peters joke. It's <laughs> yeah. just, yeah. you know, it's still hitting the same beats. Mm -hmm. If they're, if they're joking about Arabs, they're joking about Arabs. Yeah. You know, in the same way, if they're joking, you know, it's 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 yeah. a lot of the same yeah. or at least a lampanelli you, you, you know it's yeah. a lot of the sure, same sure. stuff like yeah. okay but she's a woman and she's talking about how she likes sleeping with all these different people. well that's different i guess <laughs> so don don rickles never said he wanted to fuck it yeah yeah all right yeah, okay yeah. And i was gonna I say if, it, if it's don rickles there. your jokes are going to be based in like in a cult cultural understanding that's like 50 years old you know Right, it's almost like he. I mean, his jokes are solid. He's an amazing performer. Yeah. But almost near the, you know, the last twenty years of his life, he was definitely like a museum piece. Oh it was yeah. Just like let's go and see him, and like, okay, you know what you're getting, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I get what I'm getting. Yeah, you yeah. know, you don't go to the porno theater and just go, why are they taking off their pants? Yeah. Well, this isn't the kind of film I want to see. Well, it said porn XXX at the door. I know, but this isn't for. Oh no! What's all this about? <laughs> Yeah, I think you, I you know, I hope you know what you're getting. I mean, there was like a Netflix documentary about him, wasn't there? I seem uh, to, sure there was more than one. I seem to remember watching some like concert thing of him, and you know, he's at some Vegas, you know, in like the one one of those rooms in Vegas, and he's doing his act, and there's like a like an older Japanese guy in the audience, and Rickle sees him, and of course he really really starts like making Pearl Harbor jokes and you're like wow like hold a grudge but you know like that's I guess you know but this is cultural understanding that's those are the jokes that are funny about about Japanese people I guess like to him it seems kind of weird but okay yeah but, you're thinking of the documentary Mr. Warmth uh, the Don Rickles project is that what it is and yeah. he uh, 2007. but to, you know to be fair I guess to the Japanese guy is taking it in, in good, you know, he's taking it in, this is what, this is what I came here for. I'm getting, I'm getting lambasted by Don Rickles. I guess, I guess that's what it's for. I mean, it's kind of like your uh, sister. I mean, his wife is the one who like, you know, puts this guy into the, into the firing lane as well. So. Yeah. That's, um, again, <laughs> it, it, it is a lot like going to the dominatrix yeah. and then just going like, Whoa, my husband's this? Japanese. Yeah. Great. Well, okay. Yeah, use that in some way. Okay, all right, fair enough. Yeah, my my, my yeah, my my worry is like when I then see like new comedians who go up and okay, well let me just say this: it's like I recently did stand up and sure. I would, uh, I I used to do like one of those jokes off the top, 
that comments about, you know, uh, my looks, because that's just the thing you do. You do a thing of just like something off the top that relates in a certain way that makes people think like, oh, he's acknowledging he knows what he looks like. Okay, there we go. Now we're all right. We're moving on. And I decided not to do that this time. Okay. Like, nope, I'm just going to go straight into the, the bits because like, let's not do that. And one of the reasons was because there might be people that look like me in the audience. And mm. I don't mean, you know, white guys in their 50s. I mean, just like, uh, but like there might be someone who, who looks like me. And then when I'm doing jokes, putting down myself for something, sure. it also, you know, they get the splashback on it. I'm just like, mm -hmm. oh, maybe I'm a yeah. Like, okay, so yeah. let's not do it. So the problem um, was but, there's, there's a blind guy in the audience who's like, what does he look like? He didn't see. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> I, I thought I said no blindies. <laughs> right? Oh. Hey, blind, hey, blindo, <clears throat> get out of here. He got up with his, um, with his dog and his cane and he tapped his way out of the... Yeah, by the way, that's a cat. He <laughs> never knew. He didn't know. How would he know? It's a service cat. <laughs> oh, boy. That guy would be in a lot of trouble with a service cat. <laughs> All right. Anyway, what I, what anyway I go see on. Is like when, when he, uh, there's someone who isn't a traditional uh, looking uh, on the surface, a comedian starting off, uh, they feel like they have to do the stereotypical jokes off the top or acknowledge it. Yeah. And it's usually in a bit of a, even if their later parts of their act are, you know, positive, it's almost like a, okay, listen, I know you got, we're going to establish, I know, I know what I am. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we're going to take that edge off. It's like Louis Anderson doing a fat joke off the top. Sure. You know, so like, I know it. And now I'm going to get a stuff about my dad, which is really the stuff I want to talk about. But, you can see that I'm fat, so I've got to do a fat joke off the top, so you know, and all he knows he's fat. It's okay. Now we can listen to him talk about his dad. And I see, I, I see comedians who come out, and this is like, okay, yeah. now they're doing. It was, it was like there was a, an audition uh, show uh, for uh, Asian Canadian comedians, and beforehand, uh, one of my friends, with two two people who were my friends, were were doing stand up. And they were talking to another guy, and, and uh, they all did the same uh, driving joke off the top, basically. Like, almost exactly the same driving joke. Hmm. And it was like, ugh, you know, first of all, why are you doing that? I get why you're doing that. Because <laughs> you would traditionally do that in a show where, you know, you know, you want to take the edge off and you want to do that. I get it. But did you not see the other two people do it? First of all, this is not the room for that joke. Secondly, but you're so used to doing it that you're going to do it even in a room that you don't have to do it. Yeah. And then did you not see the other comedians doing that exact same joke, <laughs> you know, beforehand? And it's like, I got no choice. This is what I opened with. And I got nothing else. And it's like, oh, boy, I guess, I guess, you, I guess you do, I guess you do, and it's too bad. Mm -hmm. It's like, just get to whatever your second bit is. Just get to, get to that. Yeah. I say that, like. I'm, I'm Johnny advice. Like I'm one to talk, but I, it just feels like... no, no, but I, I, I think, I think I like what you, I, well, I, not even like, not even the sense that, you know, worried about people in the audience. I think it's good that you just went out and did your act without apologizing for yourself. Like that seems like, that seems like a brave thing to do, like to go out there and not have to like excuse yourself for being on stage, you know? Thanks. Yeah. Also, just in general, I think when you're doing stand up, if you've got something that really kills off the top I, and you know, Again, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of quoting Louis C.K. a couple of years after I should be uh, <laughs> on this. You didn't, something he didn't, would use don't say his name, Mr. To... Yeah. <laughs> I won't even say his last two initials. Forget <laughs> it. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go initials. Yeah. Um, uh, but if he had a bit that was killing off the top, he would bury it in the middle. Mm -hmm. And he would take a bit that was not working and he would put that at the top. And then mm -hmm. if he had a bit, you know, another bit that wasn't working, he would put that at the end. 
And it's like, these are the places where your sheer things should be. It's like, <laughs> nope, I'm just going to work on these until they're sheer things. Yeah. I know this bit works, so I'm just going to put it in the middle, bury it there. I know it's going to do fine there, but that's already taken care of. Now the muscles I've got to work on are these two losers. And let's, <laughs> let's, find, let's find the good stuff here. Yeah. And you know, if you're a stand-up and you're addicted to laughter, uh, then you're always going to want to like get that approval constantly. Yeah. But the real trick, if you want to get really good, is like start in a bad place. That's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. You know, start with something that isn't your safety. And now you got to you got to dig your way up. And uh, who the hell wants to do that? I want approval, approval, approval. It's like, well, you do if you want to be good. So you know, yes, uh, so I go out and I do a you know a C plus act, and then I come off and go like. Oh, that stung a bit. Uh, <laughs> and, and you got a couple of things in your back pocket, and you're like, I could have pulled that out, and that would have been fine. Yep. But then, the, but then, but then, you would have been relying on that, and your other bits would not be getting the workout that they need. Like, yep, but it hurts. Yep, working out hurts. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, tr- yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, we've ex- we've I think we've talked about it on the show before, but we've experienced it ourselves doing live sneaky dragons. We've never successfully done our show live because you know what we do works because we're not we're not playing to anyone but our each other you know but when you add of spectators then you you feel the need to have to have proof that they're being entertained and that's the proof we want isn't their tears but their laughter and so then we you know you play more to the audience and if when we normally talk with each other we're not really personally i'm not really thinking about people listening to us i'm just we're just talking right yeah and so but when you put an audience there, it was much harder for us to maintain that kind of uh, remove. And you find yourself, you know, the show kind of changes a little bit. It's just impossible to not have that happen. It'd be well, very, I, it'd be very brave of someone to be able to sit and talk, you know, for two hours in, in, in utter silence, which is, you know. Brave or, or, or rude. One of, the, one of the two. You know, you're not acknowledging that there are other people. Sure, sure. But I mean, you know, you have to kind of also, the people who are coming to see you like what you do. They already are fans of, of you being yourself. And, you know, and so then when you they come to see you, you, you change yourself slightly because you, you, you feel nervous about leaving them, you know, or the, yeah, the, the lack of reactions. Is, yeah, I mean... But even weirder would be if, like, say they were laughing or reacting or not reacting, mm-hmm. and you were not acknowledging that. And it was like, oh, we, we don't, why are we here then as the audience? <laughs> you know, we're not part. I, mean, sure. I think there's a bit of it too. I'll, I'll do a counter argument, yeah. which is when someone comes to see a show, they don't necessarily want to. Okay, so you go to a concert, yeah. you don't necessarily just want to see the band performing and not acknowledging the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, just like them. Just do the songs that we like you to do because we like those. Yeah. But you want to feel like you as the audience are part of the experience. Sure, sure. There's something there's something unique happening because the audience is here and the band is there and that's what I feel yeah. like when, you know, we're doing a live show. Sure. And I don't and we don't do enough of them that we would like get into that rhythm of like, I see how this works. So every time we do it, it's after about a year and a half at least. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and then it's like, oh, yeah, 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 that's how it goes. Okay, now you know how to do it. Remember that in two years when you do this again. But it, but isn't, you know, I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking of now Frank Zappa who had uh, something he talked about called the, volca- the volcano solo, oh. which is something that often would happen with 
musicians who would join the band, particularly musicians who played in something that wasn't rock and roll. Say they came out of jazz and they, and then suddenly they're playing like these live shows with a, you know, the excited audience and there's a lot of cheering and stuff like that. And they would inevitably begin to develop what, what Zappa called the volcano solo, which was to play this slowly building solo that would erupt at the end because they, they became addicted to the, to the applause that would happen after you do this kind of fancy ending to your solo. Yeah. You know, and so it just becomes this very hack thing, though, where you're constantly going for this easy, you know, big finish sort of thing, you know, blah, 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 you know and then the audience goes, yeah, and then you're just like, whoa, <laughs> this is great. So I'm just going to keep doing this over and over again. And, you know, and to Zappa, that was so hack, you know, because you just became this cliche rather than being who you were as a musician, being this, you know, this very interesting musician that was good enough as a musician to be in Frank Zappa's group, which was, you know, a real sign of like talented musicians people who who were able to to uh get you know pass the audition as it were and and uh you know to so you've already like you're already like a great musician but suddenly you're in the situation where you can't help yourself but to change to you know to 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 distort yourself to to get to get this kind of reaction you know and that to to zappa that was uh you know something that he just could not he couldn't abide <laughs> let's put it that way and that was let a, me ask you let yep. me counter with a, sure, with a question sure. then for Frank Zappa that I'll get you to answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what kind of reaction would Frank Zappa want from, like, if Frank Zappa did stuff on stage that yeah. the audience consistently liked, yeah. would he then want to change that because he didn't want that consistency of, uh, of, uh, of the audience's approval? Would, I, I get well, let me, sense. Yeah. If the audience approval, uh, actually, because there's some performers that are like this, where it's like, oh, that audience liked me. Well, I got to change it. You know, I don't want them to like me. You know, there's some there's some artists that yeah, are yeah. like that. Sure, sure. You start to be liked, or you know, it's like yeah. you start to resent the audience for mm -hmm. the liking you, mm -hmm. and then you change things, you know, just yeah. to be con contrarian. Contrarian, or or to not trust not trust the audience's tastes, not to trust mainstream tastes, and to feel like if this, you know, if I'm getting this popular, then I must be going down the wrong path because I'm. You know, there's no way that I should be anything but a minority taste, you know, because uh, what I like are minority taste bands. And suddenly I'm being, I'm very popular. What am I doing wrong? You know, uh, I think this I think the Zappa, though, I mean, Zappa didn't court unpopularity. I mean, he wanted to make money because he, he needed to make money in order to fund his career. Like he was more than more than aware of that. So I don't think he was a person who was intentionally, uh, you know, trying to like rub the audience the wrong way but i think his tastes were you know were not mainstream tastes you know like as a kid he loved edgar verez the the you know who was a very modern composer you know who composed a song that consists entirely almost entirely of of uh, air raid sirens you know and he just thought that was mm. great you know and so that's you know so zappa you know already was starting from a weird place you know and i think to him you know, as long as you, if the audience like what you're doing, if you were true to yourself, that's okay. But if you distort yourself to get the audience to like you, then what you're doing is not okay. Then okay. you're kind of, you're kind of entering like, you're becoming like a hack, you know, you're swing, who's going to go the easy route to get the audience's reactions, you know. Like it's, if you can get a big cheer from an audience with a really complicated solo that's, that's really emotionally interesting, that's a, that's an achievement. But if you get a big reaction for the audience, just because you do a big, uh, you know, kind of loud crescendo at the end of and speed up the end of your solo, you know, just to show off your chops, then that's kind of hack, you know, to him. So it's, you know, it's in point of view, obviously, like he's, like I say, he's a person that, you know, kind of already was, wasn't a mainstream 
musician you know he wasn't the eagles you know the eagles are more than happy for you to enjoy their volcano solos that's you know that's what they're there for and that's what you're there to hear but zappa was not of that makeup you know so and i do think that's and i don't know I, just, I do think that's interesting i think that um i think you have to be careful as a as an artist that you that you're not you know allowing your audience to to mold you that you know I don't, and I don't mean that you have to be mean to them, or that you're that you purposefully yeah. that you're purposefully, uh, you know, um, perverse, but just that you're that you are true to yourself, or you're true to your art, you know, like so that, you know, if it seems slightly unpleasant to people, well, that's the way it is, you know, like, you know, and I mean, I guess if you want to, you know, if you decide one day you decide, hey, I'm don't like being a minority taste i want to be i want to be more popular and you start to like smooth off your your rougher edges and and create something that's more more popular that's that's fine that's up to you i guess but you know just depends what you want how you see yourself yeah. as an artist you know and say good luck to you nowadays doing that there is no majority it doesn't exactly <laughs> there you go i mean yeah. there's i mean there's still a majority if you're a k-pop band maybe yeah or, you know yeah. are you you're someone who like you know kind of gets like you know that sort of uh, imprimatur of the of the of the the cultural um, the cult you know the cultural uh, leaders or whatever you know someone like say Adele or what someone like that you know that, you know yeah. Adele's a really great singer you know like okay she's a really great like most people don't know what a really great singer is but they're told that Adele is a great singer well I do think Adele is a great singer but I just mean I think most people this is kind of a meaningless thing but you know you get told enough you're like oh she's a really great singer and then you know she's done a lot of she's uh, a friend uh, made a good joke on um, Facebook, though. He said, uh, "Just listen to Adele 30, her new album 30, and it's pretty impressive that you know someone so young has done 30 albums. It's not not a lot of artists can uh, maybe except maybe Chicago can claim that. You know, <laughs> well, that's pretty good. Good joke. High fives all around. Yeah. High fives all around. Yeah, it's good. I like I like little music jokes. What can I say? So yeah. Anyway, I've I lost track of the arc discussion. So. That's Oh, uh, you were telling your favorite ethnic jokes. Let's <laughs> start now. <laughs> Hold on, are we, as long as you sing a song afterwards saying you're a nice guy. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. I'm the nicest guy. It's a fine thing yes. that I'm a nice guy. Oh, Sinatra almost had me killed once. I'm a nice guy with the book that did boo. way used right. to do a lot of acting. Do, do, do. Yeah, she did, did a lot of acting near the end. Two, two Italians walked into a pole... And he opened his screen door and sank the submarine. There you go. What? <laughs> well, we're canceled, everybody. That's Good it for night. us. We're You'll over. You'll see us in Cliff Nesterov's book coming out in two years. <laughs> That's right. See you then. You we can't see. Here. You can't see anything anymore. That's right. Yeah, you... the the story of two guys who <laughs> lost their tongues. What's going on? That's what they said. Yeah. Yes. So, um. The. Uh, the, the other thing, sorry, I brought two topics to the table. Wow. And this is my second topic. I, I don't want to interrupt unless you've, if you've got another one to, 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 to bring up. Nope. You, okay, so I'll, I'll do a little back. Oh, by the way, let me just say that uh, I got a nice compliment from our friend Steve Scrosh, oh. uh, who did our 300th show, was it? I believe you're right. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, one of the storyboarders for uh, every Wachowski uh, yeah, yeah it's a lot. Of... And also, Matrix. I just want to say, a really nice guy. And a talented super nice, super a talented nice cartoonist. Guy. I did one of our well. live shows where, mm-hmm. you know, we were different. Uh, <laughs> I, was at, uh, I was at a dinner uh, at his place. Oh, yeah. How nice. Uh, he invited my friend along, uh, while we not met. 
And I was talking to the friend, and I was talking to him, and I was talking to other people. And afterwards, he gave a nice compliment uh, to my wife, like uh, online, said, like, uh, Ian is a great middle table guy. Because <laughs> he, he keeps connecting everyone at the table together. Like, the, t- nice. the, the conversations keep going off in their own directions. And then he'll see a, something that connects the two, and he'll go, like, oh, yeah, you did that, right? And, like, boop, boo, and now everyone's back together again, and the energy's going, and everyone's getting uh, taken care of. And that, I think, is the energy that I usually feel when we're doing our live shows, is I'm like, I'm talking to you, but my eye is also on the audience, and I'm going like, who's looking like they're a little bored right now? (laughs) This person is. Okay, let's throw some focus over to that person. Mm. Boom. Woke you up. Back to Dave. Over this one. Okay, here we go. I just feel like I want want everybody to be part of the conversation. It's tough for me to talk with with just other people, like, watching me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I I can't look at the audience, because it just feels like everyone looks really confused, and it just makes me nervous. Well, what you do is you imagine them in your underwear. (laughs) At the same time? Yeah, the underwear that you're currently yeah, wearing. Yeah, the underwear I'm currently and wearing. Then, and then you think, where did they get my underwear? And then by the time you thought of that, you're not nervous anymore. It's just like, yeah. what the hell? I'm confused. I have a confused look on my face. Yeah, why do they look so good in my underwear? <laughs> oh, well. Um, so uh, we, t- we, we talked in the past how uh, uh, my, my wife's TV series, Why the Last Man, was not renewed by uh, Hulu. It's still uh, on. It's still on Hulu. It's still on Disney Plus yeah. in the UK and Europe. It's still on FX now mm-hmm. in Canada. It's still very, very available. So uh, it's not off the air yet, and they're still looking for a new home for it. Uh, but I saw fingers a thing. crossed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. But I saw a thing uh, on on Twitter uh, yeah. from a show called Creamery. Uh, Creamery. Did you, did, yeah. Have you heard I, of this? Or I well. Uh, my only experience of creamery uh, is that you uh, you posted a picture from the show. Okay. I also put a link up to uh, the trailer for the show. You know, so, that would involve a minute of more of my time, you know. Okay. So, sorry. So, so creamery, you know what? Here's the thing. Uh, the cre- it's, a, it's a show from New Zealand. Okay. Uh, that uh, came out uh, earlier this year. It was, uh, I think it was like six, maybe six episodes. Okay. I think. Uh, and, um, and there was a, uh, and, and let me say Hulu has picked it up as like, they're going to air the New Zealand series. Like, what? Okay. okay. So Hulu's going to be showing this show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they've announced that it's going to be on the, on Hulu, uh, on December, uh, 9th. Now, uh, I was, I was looking at an article on how to write TV that the, um, person who created it wrote. Okay. And this is, this is, uh, this is how they said they, uh, this is what they wrote. Okay. They said uh, it took three years to develop and write. Uh, we started in June 2018, uh, came up with the idea, and hashed it out as best we could, which was uh, dystopian. All those with a Y chromosome have died. What happens now? What are the central questions? What are the themes? And that was what they decided to base the show on. Sure, that. sure. Okay. What, a, what an amazing uh, original idea. Right. Hats now, look, off. I get, I, I get that. Sometimes uh, you get a volcano and a Dante's Peak. Sometimes <laughs> you get a deep impact and you get yeah. an Armageddon. Yeah. And there's a you know a little bit of a kawinky dink and there you are and there you are. Mm-hmm. And, and and when I first saw because the, yeah the premise behind the show is uh, it's in New Zealand uh, all the men in, on the earth have died uh, those are the Y chromosome and uh, and then uh, eight years later uh, they find a man and uh, it goes to this dairy farm. And do they hide him? What do they do? And 
there's this uh, feminist utopian society kind of based on goop, Gwyneth Paltrow's goop, yep. that's now a cult that's kind of running things. And, and, and how they described it was a reverse Handmaid's Tale. Okay. But, and so when I heard that, I was like, ah, okay, well, maybe I'm wrong and maybe it's not too similar. And then I saw that, you know, they decide it's the same damn thing. And you watch the trailer and the opening is just like, oh boy, this is, but what, what kind of got to me about it yeah. was uh, thinking like, okay, so this show came out early this year. And the reason, and it started shooting uh, about this before uh, it was going to start shooting the same time that the Y TV show was going to shoot, but because of COVID yeah. uh, Y had to be delayed. Uh, but because they were in New Zealand, they did, they got COVID under control. Yeah. And so they were able to shoot their show and their show came out first. Huh. Um, now the situation with Y was originally it was sold to FX. It was going to be on FX. But then Disney bought Fox, which owns FX. So uh, the way they managed that was, oh, we're just going to put it on Hulu. So they put they put the show on Hulu, and then, as you know, seven episodes into the ten episodes, they said they weren't going to renew it. Mm -hmm. Which we got okay. It was weird because the ratings were good, the reviews were fine. It's like seventy six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, blah 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 blah, and you know, there's you know a lot of people that really like it. But it was like, okay, it's weird, but basically it was, you know, for COVID-related reasons because they would have to renew certain contracts, and uh, there, was, there was a bunch of stuff. And I thought that was all it was. Yeah. But now I realize that um, you don't immediately go, oh, we like that show. We're going to buy that show. We're going to put that show on. That doesn't happen that fast. Yeah. So clearly Hulu was already in negotiations for this show, if not straight out having bought it and had it in their pocket already. Yeah. When Why the Last Man started to air, so they 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 were required to air Why the Last Man because yeah. of you know previous deal with FX and what have you, and there it's on. Uh, but they had this one kicking around mm. too, and I and and now that Why is you know has 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 aired very shortly afterward, they're putting this on you know a show with. Gen like it's so damn similar that come the hell on yeah and i can't help but think that that was and this is just my opinion is that uh, this was definitely a factor it's like oh well we got this other show already why do we need to keep making this show if we can get this other one that's uh, that we already have and clearly had already made moves on and so it feels like you know the way i described it was you know uh you know why renew coke when you've just bought pepsi and and you know we can get Pepsi probably let's say cheaper. So so it just feels like that's that's what's occurred. And when I read the you know you know we we decided in 2018 and came up with this idea. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> came up yeah. with this idea, huh? You know. And there's like one news article that's out. Oh, not news article, but entertainment article that's out there from a little while ago talking about why and creamery when they were both out at the same time. Yeah. Uh, talking about one was a dystopia, one was a utopia, and they, you know, what's the difference and what would, what would happen. But uh, yeah, it just uh, steamed my clams. It felt like, <laughs> as I described uh, on, on Twitter, like, uh, you know, someone breaks up with you and, it, and it, it, it hurts, you know, it's a stinger. Yeah. And it's like, well, I guess it wasn't a good fit and, you know, you, you justify it in your own head. And then they start going out with your twin. And it's like, huh, how long have you been going? Uh, been interested in my twin? Well, you know, a couple of months. Huh, because we've only been going out for a couple of months. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there we go. Wow. So, uh, yeah, if you're asking what's, uh, what's been on my mind for the last couple of days, it was uh, finding that out. And, yeah, my wife hadn't heard of the show. I was telling her about it. A bunch of people from, yeah, it, it's just, ugh. anyway. That's my ugh right now. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like shenanigans, that's for sure. But it's just the, I mean, it's so difficult for for things to, it's so hard for things to succeed, right? There's so many things that can get in the way of it. And it's just so much trickier now with COVID having thrown this giant roadblock in, in the road. And then, and then just, you know, things like, you know, FX getting sold to Hulu and changing of executives and you know like it's so it's so it's just so weird like all that stuff the way it works there's a bit of me that's like if they had said we came up with the idea all the men in the world died yeah and then this happened i would there's a bit of me that would go like yeah i guess it's a very broad premise sure maybe maybe yeah okay but that they said specifically all those with the y chromosome have died yeah you know what happens now it's like, oh, you, okay. So you're telling me that you thought of what if what if everyone with a Y chromosome died, and yeah. you didn't Google that at all. So either you knew that there was another thing that was that, you know, and you just decided to ignore it, or you, you never Googled it, and you just, oh, what a surprise. You know, it's it's like, eh, that's just like such a telling thing yeah. of like, oh, yeah, this other thing that exists, but we're going to do this anyway. And it's like, okay, you know, there's a bit of that. I guess they could compete. That's fine. But, like, that it's the, it feels like the replacement for the thing. And that just feels to me like, I don't, I don't begrudge anyone doing a show. I don't begrudge someone doing something with a similar premise. But there is a bit of begrudging of, like, a replacement of the thing with the thing that's the knockoff of the thing. Yeah. And I can't yeah. see any way that even if this is good, and I'm sure it is good that this isn't the knockoff of the thing. <laughs> and, you know, and and I just know the people that worked so damn hard on on bringing, you know, this to this to life. Yeah. And then it just feels like uh as uh, as other people have said who are involved uh a kick in the head, you know, that uh mm -hmm. that you know, uh a month and a half later uh this this shows up on the same uh, on the same network. So yeah, that's uh uh, as I said before, that's what's steaming my clams right now. Yeah, that's that sucks. I don't know. It's yeah, it's terrible, terrible. I'm 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 really hoping that it does come on to another, get picked up by another channel. So, Me too. It's been look. I I don't want. And this is my this is my moaning and bitching time. Is <laughs> that uh, you know I've been very lucky that you know I have not lost anyone to COVID. Uh, but you know COVID. Uh, did take uh, Exorcisters because uh, you know when that book came out, uh, it was supposed to come out in individual issues and then and then be a collection. But because we couldn't bring it out in individual issues, yeah, uh, it cost the artist a lot of money to do it. They didn't they couldn't get compensated. Yeah, for yeah. for that's how you would make your money back, and then the you basically you know get your profit on the trade. Yeah, and because the individual issues. Uh, didn't come out. The trade is the only thing that will turn a profit, and it will eventually, but it's going to be a long, long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, until until it does, and uh, and and I feel I feel bad for the artist Giselle legacy about that. But because uh, comic shops did not exist during the window that we were supposed to come out, yeah. Uh, Exorcisters got canceled, mm. and so and that you know that's 
that was that was a hard thing uh, because you know we really loved doing that book. And then when Sparks Double Dog Dare was coming out, it came out when schools were closed, you know, and we couldn't go and do um, you know a, 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 a you know like a showing. We couldn't uh, do you know go and present the book anywhere or do you know a book launch or anything like that. Yeah. So the book kind of came out in uh, you know it's and it was. Uh, and it still does well, but it was, and it was a bestseller in Canada for months. Mm -hmm. So I can't super complain about that, but, uh, compared to the last book, it, it, it could not get the push that it, that it got. Yeah. And, and yeah, that really took a chunk out of things, mm -hmm. like really took a chunk out of things. Yeah. And so, you know, and I'm hoping with the new book coming out in March, uh, uh Sparks Future Perfect, yeah. more people are going to discover the book. But what I hear a lot is uh people going oh my it's my favorite it's my kid's favorite book and i was like oh that's lovely to hear uh and it's like i didn't know there was a second one mm, yeah i know because <laughs> none of the things that would tell you that it's a second yeah. one really really went through yeah because so, it's not just yeah it's not just that we couldn't promote it but there's like no there's no book fairs there's no scholastic book fairs in the schools right now there's all the things right, that and there, and for a while there was no bookstores yeah during the time period when it was coming out mm -hmm. so like one of the big push periods no yeah. You know, and it would, and the only way you could, you could get it was really online or ordering it and what, what mm -hmm. have you. So it was like there was that. So it was like those two things were big punches in the gut uh, financially, and just you know, it's like uh, it's a drag. Mm -hmm. And then now it feels like with this that COVID again, uh, ba boom ba bam again, uh, just like knocked knocked the wind out of this hat trick of things that we that we had planned. Mm -hmm. so it's just this it's just this fucking scramble fest right now of just like okay so what else what else is going on what's going and what's going on? and you don't want to be you know a covid whiner because again people have lost people yeah but you know you know and on the other side of things you know uh my health isn't the best right now because of this you know um uh, uh it's and again i know people have things worse but uh, what, and I'll just say this real fast is, uh, during the COVID times, I wasn't able to do the things I normally would do. So I put on, I put on weight and part of what happened when I put on weight was, uh, uh, I developed AFib, which, uh, is, um, where I have a, an, a regular, uh, heartbeat that beats a bit too fast. Mm -hmm. So I've been on medication for that. And, uh, at the end of the year, I'm going in for a procedure called a uh, cardioversion where, uh, they're going to give me a mild uh, electrocution when I'm, when I'm out and it's going to, uh, reset my heart rhythm. Oh, and so, yeah, so, uh, I'm on medication now basically to slow down my heart rate. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a new one now. So if I start, uh, sounding like I'm going slow, let me know instead of manic, which I sound like I am, <laughs> but, but yeah, but since that time I've, uh, I've, I've lost, uh, about like 15 pounds and I'm still, I'm still doing better on that. And I'm, I'm working good, my way good for you. back, back to that. But, uh, yeah, um, definitely COVID took a, did, COVID itself did not affect my health, but COVID affected my health. Mm -hmm. uh, to the point where, and it's possible that I won't need this procedure. At, and it, it's it's a day procedure. It's you know I'm not saying anything is like oh it's nothing. You know I'll never say nothing is nothing. <laughs> but like compared to things that it could be, and compared to things other friends of mine have had to go through, it's it's okay. It's a yeah. day procedure. I'm in the morning. I'm out in the afternoon. Uh, but it's it's yeah. It's definitely 
taking a taking a bite out of uh, out, of, out of health as well. And uh, and yeah, I, I, I I'm really feeling that now. When you were talking about how you were having a hard time with the empty nest situation hmm. and what have you, uh, there's a bit of me that was like, oh, and I'm, but I wanted to give you the floor <laughs> for that for that hey. episode and not go, we, yeah, me too. We can you know, we um, can share. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I wanted to give, I wanted to throw the I wanted you to have the time you needed to talk, to talk about, and you can obviously talk about that anytime you want, but I wanted to just let people know kind of like, hey, you know what? Ugh, right now on, on, on that, I'm, uh, yeah, again, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm annoyed. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm both, I'm both these two things at once. One, I'm very happy with where I am with, with my life. I, I, I'm married to the most amazing person in the world. I have amazing friends. I've got amazing opportunities. I'm uh, very happy with what I do, and uh, I love the people that I'm surrounded by. Uh, I also have to acknowledge that I feel like I've been kicked about five times very, very hard, hmm. and uh, I feel very bruised uh, right now. And so I'm sort of in a recovery of that, and I feel like I'm in a recovery mode right now. So uh, every so often, I'll probably be on the show uh, going, ah, so that's 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 where I'm at right now. So I'm both ah and ah at the same time. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yes. I know it's uh, it's been hard the last the last year and a half. It's been it stinks. Yeah, it stinks. I'm on uh, I'm on blood thinners for crying out loud. And yeah. uh, you know, just like last week, I I, I got like a, a blood draw and uh, uh, they, they, everything was fine. Everything was good. Mm -hmm. But then afterwards, I was like, I got this big stinking bruise in my arm, mm -hmm. and it's because I'm on this stuff right now yeah and yeah. it's just these little reminders of just like okay just remember just remember things are different and you're still in repair mode and it feels like i'm in repair mode just uh, generally right now yes it's uh yeah lisa is on bud thinners as well i think she is on heart medication anyway she's has okay she has arrhythmia as well so of some sort. Hey, arrhythmia buddies. Okay. That's <laughs> you both wore the harness. You mentioned in a, I don't know if you want to talk about it. If you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. You can just tell me to shut up. But uh, you mentioned earlier that you had to return a sleep apnea. Is that yeah. One of the, device? yeah. Uh, a long, long time ago, a uh, doctor that I trusted mm. uh, was, was kind of looking at my blood pressure and just going like, yeah, because that's under control with the, um, with medication generally. Mm -hmm. But he's like, I wonder why it's high, you know, and, and so he measured my neck and we're like, ah, this could be it. It's like there's uh, sleep apnea uh, causes a regular heartbeat, it causes mm. high blood pressure, it causes obesity, it causes all these different things that I've got. Mm. And it's like, it could be, it could be that. And he asked like if I snore and I asked uh, my wife if I snore too well, mildly, if, if at all. Mm. And I'm like, no, that's possible. It's possible that it's that. So I, what he suggested was... Uh, you know, you get a test from one of these places that like sells the CPAP machines. Yeah. So, so you do that, like you can either go through it through official, official channels. Yeah. But if you go through official, official channels, you know, it's going to take months, years, whatever. Uh, but if you go through this, they want to sell you a CPAP machine, but <laughs> the, but the test that they give you is a legit test, which then gets sent to your doctor and then you've got that. Uh, but then they're going to hard sell you on a CPAP machine. Mm. So just let you know that probably no matter what happens, they're going to push the seat back. Because sure. there's always going to be something that you say, it's just like, do you feel a little tired in the morning? I do. Well, sounds like you could use a seat. <laughs> Who doesn't feel tired? 
<laughs> do you yeah. feel, do you feel tired after you haven't slept all day? Yeah. Do you I feel do. tired when you have to wake up early? <laughs> yeah, I do. Wow, that's not a good sign. You mm. should wake up all bright and cheery like everyone else. Do they? Mm-hmm. Did you know that? People are all really in the morning. Are you sleepy at night? I am. Do you sometimes fall asleep in front of the TV? I do. Ooh, that's not a good sign. What? At night? Is that when you fall asleep? Yeah, anyhow. Can I tell, uh, so can yeah, I tell you a little uh, secret? I, I would. I do wake up cheery in the morning. You son of a bitch. <laughs> but you do fall asleep in front of the TV. I do fall asleep in front of the television, that's true. You fall asleep during the podcast. That's happened. That's not a good sign. What you might it's something that's going to cost a thousand... It's, it's not a good sign, you're right. It's not a good sign. It's probably usually a sign of tiredness. So what I had to do was I, um, I wore this thing around my chest mm-hmm. uh, that uh, is connected to uh, little tubes that you put not far up your nose, just a little yeah. bit up your nose. Yeah. And... Uh, and then around the ears, and then you got to tape it to your face so it doesn't fall out, and then put one of those blood oxygen monitors on, and uh, all the wires just keep falling out. Oh, I don't know if any of it worked, uh, but but yeah, you got to. And now you put all this stuff on you. Now sleep normal. <laughs> sleep normal. You got stuff in your face, tape on your face, things up your nose, thing on your finger. Sleep. <laughs> okay. Get a normal night's sleep. Do it normal. Okay, jeez. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know if it worked or not, but I had to do it for two nights. Yeah, yeah. Brought it in today, and uh, no one was there, uh, so you have to just leave it on the counter with your name. So sure, hopefully sure. Someone didn't wander off with it. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, maybe, uh, I'll tell you, a, a really good endorser of sleep apnea mach- or CPAP machines Yes. Um, is uh, Andy Richter. He talks about it quite a bit on his uh, hmm. podcast, Three Questions, and... Just talks about how it was like a big life changer, and quite a few people do say that about CPAP as well. As as uncomfortable as the idea seems, you know, they go, "Yeah, you do. You lose weight. You sleep a lot better. You don't get headaches. Like it's it's really a good thing." And I don't like the idea of that being a permanent thing. I would rather kind of take things by the hand and lose weight and, and do do things on my own. But yeah, yeah, if it comes down to it, you know. Again, there's friends of mine that are going through a lot worse things, and it's hard to complain about something like that if it comes to it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I never heard about it, but when I started working at um, Sunburst way back when, the the boss's son actually left. Well, one of the boss's son, the kind of the main, sort of the main engine of the company at that point, he had left to become a salesperson for a a company that sold CPAP machines. And yeah, I never didn't even know what they were. But you know, when you're young, why would you know those things? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm young. I'm not falling in front of the. I'm not falling asleep in front of the TV yet. And then as soon as the, uh, a doctor tells you about something, then you got to go online and make sure you don't go to WebMD or Healthline. <laughs> keep going down. Yeah. Keep scrolling. Get, find, does it say, is it yeah. like the Heart Foundation or is it the Mayo Clinic? Or find, it, find WikiHow. Is it, uh, is it no? No, don't go to WikiHow. <laughs> or if it's like Harvard, that's also okay one. All right. Uh, then you check stuff out, but, you know. I mean, I mean, honestly, it's just uh, it's just stuff that I got to take care of, and I'm going to take care of. But it's annoying, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Buddha, Buddha, COVID all around is what I got to say. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame you. Thanks, appreciate it. Uh, now, David. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, do you want to do you want to switch the land of music at this point, or have you? Sure. Let's let's go to the. Send me some lovely songs well, uh, well, that thanks. I quite enjoy. Well, thank you, thank you, friend. Thank you for listening. 
Sure. <laughs> it was uh, almost like a, a party. Uh, <laughs> it was almost like yeah, like a listening party. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Let me Google that for a second. Oh, my God. It's a thing. You're not going to like this. There's a real creepery situation here, Dave. There's something already called listening party. Let me see what sons of a bitches came up with that. David Dedrick. <laughs> Mary this, Dedrick. This is too much of a coincidence. This is... Yeah, Mary. Oh. Mary stole our idea, Dave. <laughs> I, could, I could see it if it was... If it was just listening party, you know, I'd be like, well, that's a coincidence. But the fact that it's Sneaky Dragon listening party hosted by someone with my name and my daughter's name it feels like they really ripped us off it's very upsetting it's funny i i was i was clicking by to actually look look up listening party yeah and the, and and my automatic like bookmarks went to uh this free stuff page uh, for hastings sunrise the area i'm in okay okay and, and so you know you got things like uh uh foot baths they're giving away for free foot? not a person eating your feet but okay. like a device Okay. You know, it's pretty good. That kind of. Stuff I thought you nice. said. I thought you said foot bat, but that you said foot no, bat. No, not foot bat. No, yeah. A bat that eats the skin on your feet like those fish do. <laughs> not that. That not could the be. Thing in the world, you gotta get a rabies uh, vaccine right afterwards. Maybe they're um, maybe they're bats like those birds that like live on hippopotamuses and stuff. They just sort of clean up your feet. They don't. They don't eat the. Yeah. Bat. That'd be okay. That's, that's what bats. If you step in fruit, yes, <laughs> they will do that. If you have a foot bat, it just flies in. Eat some of the, you know, some of the bacteria and, and schmutz on your foot, and then it flies off again. It's fine. Right. It's well, fine. I am bringing this up is, so, you know, there's things like, and then there's like a lot of baby toys. And you're like, yeah, 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 that makes sense. Sure. You know, uh, you know there you go, your child's grown up. Uh, but like the fourth thing on the list here yeah. is, uh, is expired soy sauce. <laughs> expired low-sodium soy sauce. Okay. Unopened, but recently passed the, the best before date. Oh, sure. Of September 5th. Mm-hmm. Uh, contactless porch pickup. Uh, so mm-hmm. listen, uh, it's it's it says I'm not going to say what the address is. They actually list the address. Yeah. Uh, but you know they're going to leave it out on the porch. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to go and go. You know what? I could go for some expired soy sauce. Sure. Go some up. I didn't even know it expired. I know, and the weird thing is, it's the it's the low sodium one, which to there me is uh, a little disturbing because like the salt would be what would save your life. Yeah. yeah. Like, now we're lowering the salt. <laughs> and like, oh my god. People here are like interested, please. Like, are they? Why? Soy sauce is not expensive. Yeah. Especially this kind. I know this soy sauce is three fifty. It's three fifty. There's no reason to go and buy some stranger's uh, expired soy sauce. <laughs> That's not good savings. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Go to a go to a restaurant and like pick up a couple of packs for free. Sure. You're gonna do that. Oh, I, I, upsetting. Anyway, sorry. Back to the world of music, David. <laughs> um. Yeah, back to the world of music. So I uh, this normally we do the top five. That's our thing. That's that's our thing. Sometimes there's a bonus song. Sometimes there's like one extra song I like to throw in. But this time I had to do it as a top six because this week's theme is top six interrogative songs. So, okay, so Dave, let me ask, why yeah. top six? Well, because there are six interrogatives. Oh. So there's who. That's my derogative. What. Okay. Why, when, where, and how? So, uh, my following that theme, each song had to start with the interrogative, and it had to be a question. Because some okay, songs, you know, uh, what about was a was a was a? Yeah, like was a with that. Was a with that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't. I didn't know that there was a seventh uh, seventh interrogative. I didn't realize that. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. And sometimes, and sometimes why, but not why w h y. Yeah. Why. Yeah. 
Yeah. Let her, sometimes a letter Y. Yeah. So sometimes songs would be like, how you know, like how about that? No, not how about that. That's, that's still almost a question. So like, uh, how high my valley? I don't even know what that means, but you know, like something like that, right? Like it's using how, but it's not an interrogative. Right. You know. So, but these are these are actual questions. So so that that was the that was the whole kind of theme. So we're gonna start off with with a group that I, I, I like very much. They're a 60s kind of folk rock act from England. And with um, their, their kind of newish singer, Sandy Denny, who they, they, they kicked out their original singer, this lady named Judy Dibel, and they brought in Sandy Denny because she uh, could write... Well, actually, Judy Dibel could write songs too, but, but they liked Sandy more because she was like kind of... She was the hotter on the folk scene. She had a bit, bit of a bigger okay. name, and you know they were careerists. They wanted to have like a career in music, so they're like, "Hey, let's get rid of her friend, and we'll bring in this other person. That'll be great." So they, so they brought her in, and, and so um, they did, and so now they did a few albums. And now this, this album comes from the band's most terrible year, the most terrible year for a band, because they somehow they recorded three albums in one year in 1969, including this album, Unhalf Bricking, but. They also lost some members of the group and, and one of the members' girlfriends when they were in a terrible van crash on the motorway, oh, and uh, their drummer died, and and the girlfriend of of um, one of the, the guitar player Richard Thompson was killed as well, and so rather than like mope about as you know and 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 actually have like time of healing, they were just thrown back into work and they they ended up producing three albums in one year, and this is one of the albums. So this is. Uh, so this song, the question of this song, this is written by Sandy Denny. It's um, which she actually like. She did like a, a solo version of the song before she was in Fairport Convention. She was a, a briefly a member of a group called the Straubs, who were also kind of a folk rock act, and she recorded the song with them, but they never released it. They it wasn't released on an album until 1973, the Straubs version. So so no one had heard it. Only Judy Collins had heard it. The American folk singer, and she had done a version of it as well. But this is the original, or not the original, but this is Sandy Denny's version with Fairport Convention. And the song is asking us, who knows where the time goes? So let's give a listen. This is from uh, 1969, everyone. Here we go.
deserted shore Your fickle friends are leaving Ah, but then you know It's time for them to go And we're back. And there, that was a little bit of a folky folk song. With yeah, that sounded very of the era. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It made me feel like uh, like it was a lost song from Godspell. <laughs> yeah, it could be. The, yeah, with Richard Thompson's wonderful guitar playing in there, that's the only thing that kind of makes it uh, kind of stand out a little bit different from from other folk songs of that time period. But I mm-hmm. I, I I do and I do enjoy that song very much. So uh, let's go to our next interrogative. This is uh, what. And I chose one of my favorite songs from my childhood. This is uh, What Am I Doing Hanging Round uh, by the Monkees. This is a Mike Nesmith song that he wrote uh, for their... Um, this is from the time when the Monkees were free, free from Don Kirshner, their, their, uh, their hack producer. Evil overlord. 
evil overlord who insisted they record songs that they didn't want to record and also wouldn't even let them play on their own records. You know, this, they had session musicians come in and, and all they were allowed to do was sing and maybe contribute one or two songs to the album. No, this is from uh, their their uh, second from their second liberation album Pisces Aquarius Capricorn and Jones from 1967 after headquarters after they they declared uh, you know Mike Nesbeth punched a hole in the wall and told Don Kirshner that could have been your head you know and they got free of that creep and then not that he was a creep he was just a guy just a businessman who was hired to, to produce songs for a, for a TV show but anyway you know like boo yeah. boo Don Kirshner <laughs> If he was a ghost, he would. Uh, you'd never see him as a ghost. Yeah, he, that's right. Yeah, he's a businessman. Yeah, yeah, that's a businessman. He, <laughs> he he later uh, formed the Archies, which were much easier to deal with oh. because they weren't real. But yeah, so um, so uh, Big Moose. I don't think he'd be. <laughs> oh, he's not in the band. He's that's fine. not in the band, and nor is he a real person. So I would say he'd be a roadie, probably. Moose. Yeah, sure. He could carry a couple of amps under each arm. Yeah, unless you start talking about Midge. Yeah. In which case, he just start smashing it with the amps. But you wouldn't want Dilton Doily as your sound man because he couldn't. He would just keep turning it down all the time. True. Yeah. Nerd. <laughs> Nerd. So uh, yeah. So this is uh, so when when the monkeys did headquarters, they played all the instruments themselves. They they did everything themselves. Mickey Dolan's learned to play drums and and uh, you know uh, Davy Jones didn't learn to play anything. He just continued tapping maracas. But uh, you know um, Mike and and Peter were able to get their guitars out of out of their cases and actually play in the studio and it was a great experience and they loved it all but it was so time consuming that they they just dropped it after that album they're just like forget it that was dumb it was fun but not it's not good like it's not not working for us so they just went right back to having session musicians play but this time they were in charge of the session musicians they got to boss them around it wasn't don kirshner or or um or um those other guys whose names now right oh their names now shoot who wrote like last train the Clarksville and stuff? Anyway, doesn't matter. But you know those guys calling the shots. No, now we're calling the shots. Now we're running our own sessions. And this is an example of this. And I think that Mike Nesmith is really underrated, as because you know like who else? Like before Graham Parsons or or the Birds with Graham Parsons or the Flying Burrito Brothers with Graham Parsons. Before Graham Parsons was anywhere in th- in three different ways. Uh, in the what was the other group he was in called the international uh, Sub- I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you tommy boyce and bobby hart thank you thank you yeah thank you that's right tommy boyce and bobby hart um uh yeah uh, grand parson was in a group called the international submarine band as well uh, in any one of those forms you know before he w- maybe international submarine band was kind of the same time as what mike nesmith was doing but mike nesmith even earlier than this was bringing in like country sounds into the into the monkeys, into the monkeys uh, repertoire, you know. So, you know, as someone who can be like credited with with what, as being an originator of country rock, it's definitely Mike Nesmith. And I, I do think. Well, I think nowadays he's getting his due, but I think you know for a long time he didn't. But anyway, this is Mike Nesmith singing, writing, playing, uh, not playing the guitar. This is a session session guy cooking that guitar great guitar part. But this is what am I doing hanging around from uh, 1967? Here we go. Just a loudmouth Yankee, I went down to Mexico I didn't have much time to spend about a week or so There I lightly took advantage of a girl who loved me so But I found myself thinking when the time had come to go What am I? Oh 
on that train to San Antonio. What am I doing hanging around? She took me to the garden just for a little walk. I didn't know much Spanish and there was no time for talk. Then she told me that she loved me not with words but with a kiss. And like a fool I kept on thinking of a train I could not miss What am I doing hanging round? I should be on that train and gone I should be riding on that train to San Antonio What am I doing hanging round? Been a year or so, and I wanna go back again. And if I get the money, well I'll ride the same old train. But I guess your chances come but once, and boy I sure missed mine. And still I can't stop thinking when I hear some whistle. All right, and we're back. And uh, I don't know, Ian, were you, were you were you much of a like I as a as a kid, like as an elementary grade four kid, I loved the monkeys. Did you ever like love the monkeys like that, or were yeah, you very very much like? Yeah, I remember there was a time when uh, I don't know. I think I might have uh, uh, had like I think it might have been in my mono period. Right? Okay. Mono. Where uh, I, I was watching them at like 4.30 in the morning every morning. And so they got a deep. I was going to say like, um, Mike, I'm a huge Mike Nesmith fan, by the way. Okay. Uh, I loved uh, uh, television parts. Mm-hmm. And I, would, mm-hmm. I, I watched the hell out of all those. If I'm remembering correctly, I think Whoopi Goldberg was on that. Wow. Uh, and, and a lot of, I, I don't see a lot of television parts. But then it was originally, there, he did a film called Elephant Park. Yeah, it was yeah. like a lot of sketches then in television parts, and, and that was one of the first places you would see. Well, yeah, you know, there's lots of places you could see music videos, but like it was one of the first places you were very see. Music sure, videos. sure. Um, but uh, oh, when I when I was listening to this, first of all, I recognized the song and I like it. <laughs> uh, but the opening reminded me uh, a bit of a different drum, which which, which he, al- he, he also wrote. yeah he also wrote different drums. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a bit of that country give it up. Sure. Oh. Yeah, it's got, that was it's the got that. And then, unlike Different Drum, though Different Drum is a really great song, yeah. uh, then it really gets into, now we're, now, we're, now we're going with the hook and we're moving along. Yeah. But uh, no, I love me some Mike Nesmith. And, uh, and yeah, they just uh, did the Last Monkeys uh, concert, right? Like last week or the week before? I think. Yes, yes. They, uh, I think uh, Mickey Dolan's retired from, uh, from it all. 
to go go back to being a circus boy. Yes, he's going back to being a circus boy. I guess he'd be a circus man at this point. Sure, sure. Oh God, if he did a show called Circus Man now, <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. Well, what's funny with the monkeys is like two of them were like outliers. Like Mickey Mickey Dolans and Peter Tork were both kind of like fines, but um, Mike Nesmith, under the name Michael Blessing. And Davy Jones were already both signed to Coal Gems, who were like the TV arm of Columbia Pictures. They were already signed to Coal Gems label, yeah. so they were already like co- contracted, you know. So them getting chosen as monkeys, like I remember, like I don't even think did they ever show like Mickey? Like, do you remember on the show they they like when they didn't have enough time, they they would play like the audition tape, like they oh, had they had okay. Mike, Mike Nesmith's audition tape, and they had. Davy Jones edition tape. I don't remember them playing like Peter Torx or Mike Nesmith's. And it's really oh yes they did they did oh, okay. uh, Peter Torx they asked about his hat asked about his hat oh not Mike Nesmith hat they asked about Mike Nesmith's hat yeah yeah but Are not you Peter they didn't show Mike Nesmith's uh, no no they did uh, Mike they, they did Mike's and they did Davy's but I don't think they did Peter's or 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 Mickey's audition tapes I don't think they ever showed those okay. in the show I don't know if they would have had to have auditioned Mickey yet because they say it's a known. Uh, well, he was a performer, but yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe they were just doing it. But Peter Tork was like a folk guy from from uh, from New York I'm City. I'm looking it up right now, and I think I see it. Yes, the, I think the uh, Peter Tork one. I okay. believe so. I'm yeah. gonna okay. watch it with no sound and just whip <laughs> through it and yeah. see what. Uh, we just hit a hit. Yeah, a maybe here. I just maybe I just don't remember it now because I do remember like the Mike Nesmith one quite quite clearly because he like wanders around the uh, stu- the studio and he's opening drawers and stuff like that. So. Yeah, he was a real nice weirdo. Yeah, yeah he was uh, kind of yeah, he kind of knew how to knew how to make get attention. And uh, I'm looking at Mike Nesmith. I'm seeing yeah, there's Mickey uh, Dolans. He's playing guitar with another person. He's talking. Okay. There's uh, Dave Jones wearing uh is wearing a hat. Yep. There's uh, Peter Peter. Yeah, yep. they're talking. They're having a good talk. And uh, oh, Peter Tork's looking thoughtful by a window. <laughs> and uh, yeah. There's the screen test thing. I'll have to, yeah, yeah. Check, check it out. Cool. I will uh, send them your way. Thank maybe you. Maybe a fun thing yeah. to put on <laughs> our site. Yeah, the there monkeys we were definitely like a key a key factor in my musical development. More, more than the Beatles, to be honest with you. Like, I didn't, you know, the Beatles were on the radio when I was growing up, but I wasn't, I didn't buy the, I didn't have the records. My parents didn't have the records. Like, my cousin had Let It Be, the single Let It Be, but that was, that was it, you know. So, it wasn't until so I was a teenager that I... I started to explore them. So when you saw Help, did you think, man, this is monkey-like? Well, I think by that point, I, I, I knew, like, I knew that the the monkeys were, like, a prefabricated version of the of, of the Beatles, and it was an attempt okay. to, like, kind of create create an American version or a TV version of, of, of that group. But, you know, it's kudos to Bob Raffleson and Burt Schneider, who were, like, who were kind of young, youngish guys who were, like, were behind the monkeys is they they definitely like chose them with the idea that they would be autonomous and you know and they and they totally encouraged them to to you know to you know not they, they totally encouraged them to not like be uh like puppets in the show and stuff like that and you know that's basically how they were able to like take control of the musical part of it and and why like the second season they're not wearing like their their monkey clothes anymore they're not wearing like their those kind of western style shirts that they wore the first season right. driving around in the monkey mobile and stuff like that like the second season is a lot more stretched out and obviously the group was probably you know exploring uh, a little bit of a little bit of you know every whatever other rock stars were doing at the time you know smoking a little bit of this and that and and you know feeling 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 their uh 
their popularity and, and everything, you know. So okay, two uh, two. I mean, you know this trivia question, but sure. then I'm going to ask you a second trivia question. Okay. okay. Uh, so um, oh, this is actually just too damn too damn easy. <laughs> well, that's like, anyway. Okay, how the, uh, name a sh- name a show that both uh, Davy Jones and the Beatles were on together. Name a show that both the Beatles yeah. and Davy Jones were on together. Is that oh, that doesn't sound that easy to me, but um, uh, maybe if you think about it, there's limited ones. <laughs> Limited shows that could have been both been on together. Yeah. Uh, was it in England they were on the show together? No, nope, it was American. Oh, American. Oh, I guess the Ed Sullivan show then. Ed Sullivan show, yeah, yeah. 1964. It was the Beatles' first appearance on the Ed Sullivan show. And, uh, he oh, was and playing, he was a... David Jones was playing the Artful Dodger. That's in right. A scene from Oliver. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, I'll go with this one. Kate. He was on a British series. I, I, I mean all the clues that I would give you about the series would think it's too obvious, but he was on, he did one episode of a British TV series yeah. that was very popular, uh, in 1961 as Colin Lomax, which is his real name. Oh, I, 1961, a British series that's very popular, very popular. If you know British people, they all know it. <laughs> and probably I'm going to say this, if you know Canadians, yeah, uh, is it, like can, can I ask you just a hint? Is it still on the air? Yes. So is it Coronation Street? Then? It sure is. He was 1961. He uh, he was. Uh, oh, sorry about that. He played a character called Colin Lomax. Apologies. I think uh, he, he really is Davy Jones. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Very good then. Yeah. Yeah. He played Colin Colin Lomax uh, on uh, Coronation Street, and at the same year uh, played a character on Magnolia Street. Oh, interesting. No, he did all the street shows. And he's part of the reason why David Jones became David Bowie. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. There's only room in this only room in this musical world for one David Jones or David Jones. That's right. And in no way does that uh, explain uh, why Elton John is called Elton John. Red, well, his real name is Reg Dwight, which I think explains why yeah, he's yeah. called Elton that John. Is, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all the explanation you need. Yeah. Named after two friends. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, unless you believe a movie that's a liar. Yes, that's correct. Named after two friends, yes. Not John Lennon. Yeah, as the movie lies yes. and says. Yeah. Uh, named after the sax player, his sax playing friend, Elton Dean, and then his singing friend, Long John Baldry. Who I would often take a bus with in Vancouver. Wow, cool. And I'd be like, yeah, that's Long John Baldry. That's neat. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen him perform with the Beatles in the stands behind bopping along to his songs and now i'm on the bus with him that's something <laughs> uh, life's weird sometimes yeah. sure sure and i remember thinking that i was thinking hey that's weird that i went out <laughs> and i went to a mcdonald's and uh and uh mike reno was in there from lover boy he was eating a burger and i was like hey was he wearing his red my... leather pants that's a real question he was not and he did oh. not have the headband on but mm. i think he was still working for the weekend probably you mean the rapper? Okay. Um, our next song. What? What is it? I was just whistling in in, in approval. Oh, thank you. So then, <laughs> this the slide whistle of approval. <laughs> if it goes up, it's approval. Yeah. Now here's the here's the trumpet of acceptance. Yeah. Oh, I hear that a lot. It must be. I must be well accepted. Yeah, the other variation is. So um, let's go to our third song before, because I'm feeling I'm feeling so good about myself now. Let's go into the third song. This sure. is this is a group. Uh, this is by well, so our, our third song, of course, would be Why. 
Why? So this is a, a group called Buzzcocks. <clears throat> this was a British group, uh, kind of, we're going to call, I mean, they kind of do fall uh, into the punk time period, but I think that they became more popular in a kind of a more post-punk idiom, but but they did sort of as a punk rock band. They, they uh, had two of the members... Uh, one guy named Pete Shelley and another guy named Howard Devoto. They they actually went to London. They read about the Sex Pistols in the newspaper, and they they drove all the way from Manchester to London to see this group that they heard about called the Sex Pistols. And they and they couldn't believe their eyes and ears. And so they they uh, when they went back to Manchester, they arranged they like booked they booked a gig at the Free Trade Hall in in Manchester, and they brought the Sex Pistols there to do a concert. And practically everyone who saw that concert formed a band. So, yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those. There's some sort of uh, virus that went out. That that <laughs> forming, uh, you know, when they talk about the British invasion, I'm yeah. like, no, 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 no. Yeah, that was a viral infection. Yeah, viral infection. That's right. So this was the bacterial infection of of punk rock, and so uh, the Buzzcocks were one of the very first groups to put out a, a self released single. They put out a an album called Spiral Scratch. Uh, it was like an EP that had four songs on it, and and. Uh, they released that, and then I think Howard Devoto left the group after that, and so the band kind of morphed slightly, and became more of like uh, instead of being like punk, it became more like power punk, and doing songs like kind of that had a romantic element to them, and singing you know, and singing songs, and so and so they were amazingly popular in England, but very very little known here, and so the fir- very first album that was ever released here in North America by them wasn't an album, it was a collection of their singles called Singles Going Steady. And it's a fantastic collection because it's one of those things that only a fan would put together. It's like it's not like it's not like a hack job that you would get like from most record labels. Like this is a lovingly put together collection that on the side A is all the A side, all their A sides up to 1979 in alphabetical or sorry, in chronological order. And then on the B side, it's all the B sides of those singles in chronological order. So you can hear you can hear the A side and the B side of all their singles that were put out during the, during the, that time. And it's just a fantastic idea. And it was only released here in North America, but it was such a popular import in England. They finally released it there. But this was originally on IRS Records here in in North America, and I bought it as as a teenager. And I, it's just one of my favorite albums to this day. And this song was one of the B sides. It was a B side to everybody's happy nowadays which i think is an okay song i actually think the b-side is better than the a-side and, and the song is called why can't i touch it uh and it's one of the only songs also by the group that was credited to all the members because it's basically like a jam that they added lyrics to and it's just great so this is this is from 1979 from oh, from singles going steady which came out in 79 i can't remember exactly when the single came out but the album singles going steady was released here in 79 this is uh why can't i touch it by buzzcocks here we go everyone
All right, and we're back. That was a little long, but you know, it's a it's a fun jam. It's a fun it's a fun funky jam going on there. A real I, I say funky, but it's kind of almost like more influenced by Croat rock. It has that kind of just that sort of repetitive thing going for it that uh, is a real uh, staple of that style of music. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I really like uh, their uh, "Ever Fallen in Love" song. Yes, that's a very good song. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good example of that kind of uh, power. What I would call power punk, where it's just very, very melodic, but also very, you know, fast and punky. You know, and they broke up for a while, and then they reformed again, and then they did several really good albums in the latter, in their twilight of their career. Unfortunately, Pete Shelley has passed away now, um, but um, yeah, the uh, I saw them play at the rickshaw here in town, and I have to say that. The show was too loud to be enjoyable for me. Like, oh. it's one of those times where you forget to bring earplugs, and then you regret it the whole time because it feels like you're standing in a in a, a jet engine test lab rather than <laughs> a, a concert. Because it's just so loud, I couldn't even. There's nothing discernibly musical about it. It was just sheer white noise in my ears. But I got to say that. Do you ever bring? Uh, yeah. Do you ever bring earplugs to? Uh, I usually do bring earplugs to shows. I don't. I don't like really really loud music. I like to hear hear all the hear the yeah. what's happening so i would rather rather go through the the nerdy act of having earplugs in my ears than than uh, just stand there getting slowly deafened by a, a dull roar when uh, we're talking about uh, why as in w-h-y mm-hmm. um i uh just re- it just reminded me of when i first moved out when i was 19 with my friend alan yeah and he brought like i think he had three albums he brought with Sure. And and uh, one of them was Communards and one of them was Bronski Beat, which yeah. is uh, you know same singer. Sure. Yeah. And so those were on repeat. Jimmy Jimmy Watt. Somerville. There we go. And so uh, why just the song why played yeah. a lot. <laughs> oh boy, that, that 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 one is like the soundtrack to my first moving into any place. <laughs> Us going out to the alley and going, this couch looks good, and then just carrying it up. 10 flights of stairs yeah because you know we were young and sure. idiots yeah yeah and there were no bed bugs then because it was the 80s yeah yeah uh yeah and we just brought that filthy couch into our living room <laughs> uh up those stairs and uh yeah and then heard uh why yeah just playing all the time. <laughs> why yeah that's uh, tell me why that very uh distinctive falsetto <clears throat> good singer though yep i feel sorry for falsetto singers in later life it feels like falsetto singers have it rough because you still got to do that stuff mm, mm, mm. like uh like i still i feel always feel for the fast talker in the sketch comedy group like, yeah i feel sorry for the dan Aykroyds, the eric idols uh the dave thomases and it's just like oh yeah you were able to do it when you were young can you do it when you're older <laughs> oh that's tough isn't it, isn't it? yeah why don't you talk to the guy in aha trying to hit that uh, note? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard. Deal. Yeah, a lot of them just kind of drop. They drop it down a bit to make it easier. Yeah. To transpose the song a little bit to make make those notes uh, reachable. Reachable. Mm-hmm. Or you can just be Brian Wilson and, and smoke and snort your voice into a trash can. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it then. Oscar the Grouch it. <laughs> okay. How about we get to uh, when... When will we get okay. to when? Right now. All right. So this is this is the Staple Singers. Uh, the song is called "When Will Be When Will We Be Paid for the Work We Have Done," uh, and uh, this came out in 1970 on the very relatable title. Very relatable. <laughs> and the the album's called "We'll Get Over." Now the Staple Singers they started off as uh, they're a family group. They're a family singing group led by Robach Robach 
quote, pops, unquote, pop, uh, quote, uh, end quote, I guess you say, staples, pop staples, and um, pretty, pretty popular, they weren't really popular as a, as a gospel group. You know they were they were a very heavy gospel group, but with a with a strong um, lean very strongly into like civil rights kind of stuff, but with a you know with a religious element to it. And they were I think they were signed to Columbia for for quite a while, uh, but never really kind of broke out in Columbia. It wasn't until they signed to Stax Records, and they were kind of steered by this guy named Al Bell, who was the kind of musical director at, at Stax at that time. Steered them away from the gospel. They still had religious elements in their songs, but he steered them away from that into much more like kind of secular uh, civil rights kind of songs. And that's when their that's when their career really kind of took off. They they really had like a lot of like kind of R and B hits in the in the early seventies when they were signed to Stax during during Stax's heyday. Eventually, of course, that all kind of went down the drain. But but when it was when it was working, it was working really great for them. And uh, so let's give a listen to when will we be paid for the work we have done? Here we go, everyone. When will we be paid for the work we've done? When will we be paid for the work we've done? We have worked this country, I'm sure, sure. Our women cooked all your food and washed all your clothes. We picked all your cotton and laid the railroad steel. Worked our hands to the bone at your lumber mill. I say, when will we be paid for the work we've done? When will we be paid for the work we've done? We fought in your wars in every land to keep this country free, y'all, for women, children, and men. But any time we ask for pay alone, that's when everything seems to turn out wrong We've been beat up, beat up called names, and shot down in stone And every time we do right, someone say we're wrong When will we be paid for the work we've done? When will we be paid for the work we've done? We have given our sweat and all our tears Stumble through this life for more than 300 years. We've been separated from the language we knew, stripped of our culture. People, you know it's true. Tell me now, when will we be paid for the work we've done? When will we be paid for the work we've done? When will we ever be, be proud of my country? Tears of thee. All right, and we're back. And of course, the famous, the most famous voice in the, in the group was Mavis Staples. Uh, she she went on to have a very healthy uh, solo career as well. And was signed to uh, Prince's Paisley Park label for a while, and and uh, yeah, she's a quite a great singer. Oh, nice! It's a very good no, group. I liked it. This was one of the ones that you couldn't uh, put on uh, send me through Facebook. 
uh, Facebook oh, that's, wouldn't know. Yeah, I know. It was weird. Like two of the songs would not would not uh, work. I don't know why, but I did I did set it by drop Dropbox. You're able to hear it that way. Right. So, yeah. Dirty, disgusting Dropbox. Filthy. <laughs> it doesn't care what. It sickens, sickens me to be there, but uh, it was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it. It's good. No, it was a very charming song. I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, I love it too. Hopefully they get paid by uh, Staples, like the company. They get paid by uh, Staples, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Like, well, you know, they yeah. had a, a Staples needed to, to buy the rights for the name from these guys. So, <laughs> I would assume. Sure, sure, sure did. Yeah. Okay, sure. so let's go on to our, our fourth song. Is it the fourth song? Yeah, our fifth song. Fourth song or fifth song? One, two, three, four. I think it's five. Okay, I five. Think. This is five. Think. Yeah, you're right. You're right. This is the this is the Mekons. This is another okay. British group. This is this this group is also kind of part of the post punk scene as well. I don't know why I was leaning on this, but this is a song I like a lot. It's called "Where Were You?" With a question mark. Sorry, this is the fifth song. Apologies. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Where were you? Which um, they were kind of an interesting group. They they kind of came out of a similar scene with a few other bands. Uh, most famously, ga- the Gang of Four, or Gang of Four, the group Gang of Four, and then another group called Delta Five, and then the Mekons were part of this scene as well. In fact, to record their first album, they borrowed Gang of Four's equipment to record their first album, and they were very much part of the you know anyone can do it you know scene, uh, uh, kind of d- DIY element of of. Um, the post-punk scene at that time, you know, groups like Scritty Plitty who like, you know, put out a single, but also put like the instructions on how to put out a single and how much it costs them to put their single out. Like they put all the invoices and stuff on the back. So you could see like what it cost and where you could go to do it and stuff like that. So, you know, anyone else could do it. They're just like, Hey, we're all, anyone could do this. And so the Mekons were the same. So this is their second single. It's called, where were you? Uh, that came out uh, back with a song called I'll have to dance then on my own. Uh, this came out in 1978, and um, I just love this song. It's just one of those kind of great, um, it's very punky sounding to me, even mm-hmm. though they kind of fall just a little bit after punk was at its heyday. So, But I think they're still very much informed by by the, the, the kind of the spirit of punk rock here. So this is uh, the Mekons with Where Were You?
back much very catchy very naggy but a good nag <laughs> yes uh, fun song and and uh, surprisingly the mekons are still around today they they have morphed through the years they were they became like a new wave kind of more act and then and then uh, they switched them that and became sort of like a, a folk group in the middle when that was not a popular move but that's kind of the way they went and they just follow their own muse they're a kind of interesting group a lot of a lot of a long time, long career, twenty albums in, I think. Um, nice. And let's finish, let's finish up strong here with a with a group that uh, didn't record a bunch. They're one of those teen groups that formed in the '60s. This is the Love Lights, which was made up of two sisters and their friend when they started, and then uh, later on, their friend decided that she didn't really enjoy the whole work part of you know entertainment, and so she left. And then they brought in another singer, and. I can't remember even. No, I'm sorry. I should have written it down. But the lead singer of the group co-wrote this song with the produ- with the producer of it. So this song is called "How." This is we're at the final. How can I tell my mom and dad uh, bracket that I've been bad uh, and, uh, and bracket, which you know is I think um, besides the Supremes "Love Child," which came out around the same time as this song, was you know teen pregnancy was not a very common commonly talked about theme at this time. So I think it's a pretty brave song actually. So this is from 1969. This is The Love Lights with How Can I Tell My Mom and Dad That I've Been Bad. So let's give a listen to this song, everyone. Should I go 
The Love Lights. What did you think of that, Ian? I liked it. Yeah. I did like that one. Yeah, yeah. no, this was a good uh, good batch all the way around. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. It was fun to put together. Yeah, I really love the uh, really love her singing in this song. Like, I like mm-hmm. the I like the backing singing, but I also love the way a that lot she. Of heart to it. Yeah, there's a lot of emotion in her in her voice in this song. I really like how it's done. Yeah, it's really good. So there we go. There we go, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our top six interrogatives. There we go. Yeah, but no, it was a. So okay, fair enough. And let me just say we Maybe haven't. What's what? that? Sorry, the no. What? What do you say? No, 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 no wasses. No wasses. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, but let me just say that if you would like me to do a, a, a themed uh, series of songs, let me know, and I'll see if I can put it together. I can't guarantee. Uh, some people have sent me ones that were very complicated la- last time, and I I couldn't see my way around them. So uh, I often think about them though, <laughs> trying to, trying to figure out how I can do them. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. If you'd like, if you can think of a, th- if you have a theme that maybe you'd like me to uh, try out, you're welcome to send that in. I'd, I'm up for the challenge. Um, I do have I do have one for next time already done. So uh, um, yeah, there you go, everyone. I'm gonna put one on the pile and go like because uh, you were saying you were thinking about them. Mm. I was going like, songs about remembering. Songs about remembering. Fine. Okay, okay. Remembering. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so I'm going to turn to uh, the World Wide Web, uh, where, <laughs> where we have a website called SneakyDragon.com. We do. Oh, we had to fight off so many pornographic websites for, uh, <laughs> for that name, but we did. We yes. beat them all off. We beat we them. We beat we beat them off, all of them. We beat them all uh, off, yes. Yeah. There are porn sites. We beat them all off. It was... Uh... Come again? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, now, our friend Louise uh, uh, posted something, but she posted it last uh, on last week's show. Yeah. But I suspect, and this is my suspicion. Sure. And I say the word suspicion. Yes, like it's uh, a real word. I word. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, that uh, she actually meant to post uh, on this week's show, ah. uh, our last week's show. Uh, but because we asked uh, two questions. One was buttons or zippers yes. or Velcro. What's mm. the preference? And do you have a good story about a place name where you live? Well, gosh darn it. 
uh, Louise posted to episode uh, the episode beforehand and started off with, like Nina, I prefer zippers over buttons. So either Louise is a psychic, which is possible, <laughs> or Could happen. Yep. she posted to the wrong side. I prefer to think she's a psychic. Yeah. But she prefers zippers over buttons. They are far less likely to pop off your garment and roll under a sofa. It's huh, true. Yeah, that's right. It's true. You didn't consider the sofa situation. I think it depends what you're wearing. Like if I'm wearing, if I was wearing a dress shirt, I wouldn't want a zip up dress shirt. But if okay. I'm wearing, if I'm wearing pants, I prefer like a zip zip up fly. Mm. Right. So I think you know everything has its place. You know, because as you know, I have a massive amount of chest hair. So yeah, you're really, a real Sean Connery. <laughs> so you know, like a Sean a, Connery meets Oscar the Grouch. That's that's me exactly. It's green chest hair, and so. You know, if I zip, if I zipped up a shirt, I would just be like a, an, ag- an agony, an absolute, you know, be a real, real uh, hairy situation. That's what I'm saying. And now here's the thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Luis goes on to tell a story about uh, theater sports in the 80s. Uh, and uh, look, man, that's my territory. <laughs> you have to learn to share, Ian. Okay, let's revisit it. Uh, a story <laughs> about a local place name. Well, once upon a time in the 1980s. When improvisers would ask the audience to suggest a location, someone would invariably yell out Spuzzum, mm. which is a small town yeah. in North uh, BC. Uh, not that they want to see a scene set in a one gas station town <laughs> on the treacherous Fraser Canyon Highway, but more because Spuzzum sounds funny. Apparently, it comes from uh, indigenous uh, word Spuzzum, meaning little flat, from brackets lands. Mm. When the Coquihalla uh, Highway was built, uh, people start using the canyon route as much, and spasm passed into history as a way to get a cheap laugh from your fellow audience members. <laughs> While looking at spasm, I came across... That's the only reason it existed, really. It's true. Pretty much. Uh, you know, uh, uh, get to blender, dildo. Uh, I, I came across an article about an incident that happened uh, nearby during the Fraser Canyon gold rush known as the Fraser Canyon War of 1958. Hmm. It was a series of bloody encounters between one of the local First Nations and American and European gold miners who formed their own militia with British troops arriving on the uh, late on the scene to broker an end to the violence. It's a sordid tale of greed, atrocities, and revenge, which is part of the dark history of our province that they never taught us about in school. Yeah, right? that's true. That's now, I, which makes me think, Louise, you got to get your sister to teach that in school, even though I know she's teaching about baking. Yeah. Slip it in. Incorporate it into her baking lessons. Yeah, that's right. Um, and you mentioned Twin Beaks. We did. <laughs> the Sesame Street thing. Yes. Two of Sesame Street's parodies of adult shows that I like are Game of Chairs, where Grover Bluejoy uh, competes to rule Jesteros by playing musical thrones, and Homelamb. Uh, where sheep agent Kari is trying to find the big bad wolf who's on the lamb, little Rias realizing it's her new crush, Ba Rodi, who is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Both have hilarious look-alike opening credit sequences that are worth looking up on YouTube. Or you check them out on our website. Ah, there we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like It would be an interesting thing to list the amount of R-rated uh, shows that Sesame Street is parodied. <laughs> well, because the the writers are adults, so you know you have to rate you have to rate what's interesting to you too. That is that is uh, absolutely true. The writers were adults, and if you're writing in Vancouver in the past, uh, very handsome uh, gentlemen uh, adults. Um, <laughs> Crystal uh, writes to us. 
always nice to hear from Crystal. Oh, by the way, thank you, Luis. Yeah, Luis. Thanks, Luis. Yeah, Luis. Thanks. And thanks for uh, spilling the tea on things not being discussed in our schools. Uh, <laughs> down with school. Am I right? Down with school. Um, hey, my wife works uh, in a school. Uh, so does her sister. It's, so it's, our, it's our bread and butter. They cancel it. Do, do they serve bread and butter in the cafeteria? Mm, I don't know. Hmm, you should ask. I will ask um, her right away. I'll actually I'll te- text her right now. Crystal writes, I enjoyed Nina guest hosting this past week. Good oh. job, and the Japanese movie title trivia was a lot of fun. Agreed. That was fun. Now on to zippers versus buttons. <laughs> That's right. And now on to the important thing. Yeah, aside from all the niceties, let's get to the meat of the matter. <laughs> okay. Zippers bust or slide down at the worst moments, just as much as buttons come undone or clothing pulls uh, at shirt buttons when you sit down. Yeah. I don't have any uh, particular preference for either. Velcro has as many issues. Lint builds up and the Velcro won't stick, and Velcro is pretty noisy. Let's be honest, they are all necessary and equally evil. Wait a second. What like about billionaires? Why not just elast- elastic waisted pants? Oh, you don't like your circulation? Fair enough. <laughs> Look at Johnny, doesn't need the blood to go nowhere. <laughs> That's right. This guy, keep the blood separate. That's where it belongs. <laughs> Uh, about a 14-minute drive up the road from Grinder Switch. Yeah, we're going back to Grinder Switch. It's a community <laughs> called Only. There used to be a general only. store there. Whenever you asked the owner about how much something cost, he would always reply that it was only a certain amount. <laughs> nice hat towers were only 25 cents. Men's giant work uh, shirts were only 89 cents. That's good deal. Men's uh, union alls were only $3. And $29, cents, uh, at $3.29. A good uh, a pound of good roast coffee was only seventeen cents. Twelve delicious wine sap apples were available for a very low price of only two cents. <laughs> uh, that seems a little expensive for the dozen. Whoa, that is a good deal. That is only stuck as the name. Wine sap apples. Hmm. If it wasn't called, uh, if it wasn't only, then he could just do the general joke of just like, how much is this? Well, generally they're three dollars. <laughs> oh, so are they three dollars? Generally. So how much are they? <laughs> okay. Hey, you took four dollars. Yeah, I said it was generally three dollars. Um, there used to be quite a few moonshiners in Hickman County. So many, in fact, that the county is uh, still known as Keg uh, County. Uh, what's that? I just like that. I like that the these. I like I like these nicknames. This is great. Yeah, Keg County is good. By the way, Crystal, you ever come to Vancouver? You can go to the Keg here. Uh, give me a big steak. Yeah. And uh, and you get some bread. They give you bread. They, the bread just keeps coming. Bread keeps coming out. Bread's and free, by the way. The bread is free. It's the, it's their bread and butter. Yeah. It's the bread. You can't make reservations there, though. You can't make reservations. You can have reservations about going, though. <laughs> like, yeah, want to go to the keg yeah. this time of night? I don't know, maybe. Uh, but yeah. You show up uh, and they steer you to the bar. There you go. Here, have our uh, really crunchy, crunchy salad. Oh. Uh, seven minutes. How, how much are you charging me for like some iceberg lettuce and blue cheese with a little <laughs> bit of bacon? Twenty dollars. Okay. <laughs> do you know how much lettuce costs? I buy a bag of this stuff. For... Do you know how much apples cost? Two cents a dozen. And I'm paying how much for? Those things have nutrition. Hey, you're you're the keg, not the only. Oh my god, I could get. You know how many uh, uh, giant uh, blue work shirts I could get for this? <laughs> Twenty five work shirts for this iceberg lettuce with blue cheese and bacon. The bacon's good. I'll pick around the bacon. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so seven minutes east of only is a community called Bucksnort. Mm. Over at Bucksnort, I love saying that, there used to be a moonshiner who would sell you a snort of whiskey for a dollar. It was a buck a snort, hence the name. 
Buck Snort. It's great. It's equally great. He he, uh, started doing cocaine. It was called uh, Buck Sniff. (laughs) It's called Snort Snort. Snort Snort. Sure. Uh, But it wasn't a buck. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) 33 miles southeast of Buck Snort is the lovely city of uh, Hohenwald. Most people pronounce it uh, hole in wall, although the old timers used to pronounce it as Hornwall. Hornwald is nestled in the blue uh, timber lakes of Lewis County. Uh, Hornwald was founded by Warren Smith and his German wife, Augusta, who gave it its name. The story is that the community wanted a post office, but the government said a community has to have a name before they would approve A.P. Grover's request to operate a post office out of the general store. (laughs) When Augusta was at the store, Mr. Grover asked her what she thought would be a good name. Augusta said in her heavy accent that Hornwald was as good uh, enough name. Hornwald is German for high forest. Uh, my favorite part of this story is what happened next. A reception was given to honor the newly named community and to celebrate the first mail delivered to the post office. Warren <laughs> gave a speech. Yep. Augusta presented the Pony Express writer with a homemade cake. Next, an elder offered a prayer of thanksgiving and a petition for God's continued care and blessing. He then said that as was customary to christen our babies with baptism and dedicate them to God, he saw no reason why the town shouldn't be. So he broke a bottle of water against a tree and said, I baptize thee, Hohenwald. As far as I know, Hohenwald is the only town in Middle Tennessee to have been baptized at its name. Uh, I wonder who the godparents were for the town. Uh, yeah. It's going into disrepair. Well, you got to take care of it. You're the godparents. Oh, no. <laughs> have a wonderful week, everyone. I plan on using my time off uh, for the American Thanksgiving holiday to start decorating for Christmas. Oh, I'll be wow. catching up on my favorite vampire, Mr. Barnabas Collins, <laughs> and the spooky ongoings at Collinwood as I put up my tree and trimmings. Fun. That's very Christmassy. Yeah, yeah. that's that reminded me of uh, uh, the last person I had a blind date with uh, before I met my lovely wife mm-hmm. and stopped blind dating people because you do when you uh, <laughs> fall in love. Uh, was a woman who uh, went up to some town in northern BC, uh, and uh, and 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 it didn't have a mayor, and she wanted to buy a house. And somehow, long, the long and the short of it was there was a tax problem, and they needed the mayor to solve the tax problem so she could buy the house. So she ran for mayor, and she was the only person running for mayor. So she became the mayor, and there was like only like another three people in town. But she went, and they didn't want to be mayor. And so, yeah, she bought a house, and the only way to be to buy a house was to become the mayor. So when I was uh, when I was seeing when I went on the one date that we had, uh, uh, she was a mayor. And so, like, I dated a mayor once. Huh. Yeah, from the sitcom, I dated a mayor. <laughs> was the town called East Town? I do not know what the town was called. Okay. I didn't follow up. All right. And she wanted me to go skiing, and I said I didn't know how to ski, and that was the end of that. <laughs> the end that's the thing S- skiers are snobs if you can't ski they don't want to know you yeah i was like oh, well learn how what now no no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna learn how uh, <laughs> but i appreciate that you're uh, a mayor that's very neat it's a neat story so do we have any other uh correspondence day well that... we had an email from louise but you read that earlier so i'm afraid we don't have any more okay that's Fair it. enough. That's uh, it. I'm going to ask for something. You know, I was talking about the, the wide creamery stuff and whining, getting that off my chest. Thanks for your patience listening to that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask yeah. uh, uh, about uh, pop culture things. Yeah. It could be a movie. It could be a TV show. Sure. Hell, 
could be a band. Okay. Uh, that you think is a uh, knockoff of another band, movie, or TV show? So, like, as a you know, volcano, uh, Dante's Peak, that kind of thing. And uh, which you prefer of the two? So, uh, something that you feel is a knockoff of another thing it could be Monkeys Beatles, and maybe maybe you prefer the Monkeys. You know, could be that. Uh, so what is something that you feel is a knockoff of something else, and which do you prefer of the two? It's a, you're allowed to like the knockoff more if you want. That's Hydrox and Oreo. Oreo is the knockoff. Oreo is the better cookie. I never had Hydrox. They're okay. You would not be uh, unpleasantly surprised. I think the best of that that is also a knockoff is the Paul Newman version of Oreos. Those are really, really good. Huh. Yeah. I forgot what they're exactly called, but the, the whatever the Paul Newman uh, version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll try and look up what they are called. Huh. Yeah. You have another question for the nice people. Do I have another question for the nice people? Oh, darn it. You know what? When I was doing the show, when I was editing the show last week or listening through the show last week, I, I thought of a question. And I thought, oh, we'll use that next week. Well, guess who didn't write it down, everyone? That would oh. be me. That would be me. By the way, uh, Numenos, they're called. Newman O's. So it's Newman's own yeah. Newman O's. Get it. I, yeah. I mean, I got it. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just looking through my, uh, just looking through something to see if I can uh, see something. Get, get, get. Nope. Nope. I'm, nothing. Now you have, you have already asked for categories for your music. So, you know, we technically do have two things. <laughs> well, that's not, I don't want to demand that people, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't. Mm. All right. Here's, here's mm. a very Canadian thing. Okay. What is some extreme weather you've been in? <laughs> we're going through extreme that's weather. That's good. Yeah, that's a good question. I like it. Do you have an extreme weather story? And this is, you know, these are, these are good stories to tell. I know it seems like a very Canadian thing. We like to get together and we like to talk about extreme weather. Oh, I was at, uh, I, was at uh, I was at a restaurant this morning. I was at uh, Dutch Panikek, which is one of my favorite restaurants to go to because it was near where my errands were. Uh, but I was <laughs> sitting next to two women uh, who um, were going through uh, older people. Though that's fine, but they were having the conversation that I don't like hearing, which is the one of just like, did you hear who died? And they just, the whole damn conversation was just like, who's died? And uh, now they're dead. And, and it was just like, oh, boy, there's a lot of, you guys either haven't seen each other for a long time <laughs> or God, what happened? You're at an age where, yeah, your people are falling away. Yeah, it was just like, oh boy, I feel I don't I I just got to put my headphones in because I I feel very rude hearing you know all these people who have just died. Yeah, and they're very light about it too. It's just like, oh, you know, Henry died. Oh no, I always liked him. Yeah, yeah, he liked you maybe a bit too much. Oh, stop it. No, his wife didn't like how much he liked you. Oh, no, he was a nice fellow. I'm just like, okay, well, you had a shot with Henry, but you blew it. Yeah. So really Henry's good. wandering through the restaurant with his unfinished business <laughs> in his hands. Oh, Ooh, what on, kind of? What are we doing what? here, <laughs> sir? <laughs> hey, you know what? I had a funny thing happen on the weekend. I was going to tell you about this. Well, you got I, time. I watched a movie on Saturday night, and I wanted to see this movie in the theaters. So I was kind of on the lookout for this film, and I noticed it was on Netflix, and so I was like, "Oh, it's on Netflix. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch this movie." So I watched it. And the next day I said to Lisa, oh, I watched this movie last night and I honestly could not remember what movie it was. I couldn't remember all day. Oh. I couldn't even remember it the next day. I, mm. I can't remember what cued me. I finally something like I was... Let me ask you this question. Did yeah. you remember how it made you feel? Like as in, oh, I enjoyed seeing that movie, but I can't remember the movie. 
Well, or do you not even remember how you felt about it? No, I didn't even, yeah, I had no memory of it. Like, it's like I didn't even watch it. I can remember the movie I put on after that I didn't finish and fell asleep during. Okay. But I couldn't, I couldn't remember the movie that I actually watched. It was so weird. And it was, um, it was Wrath of Man, which was a movie by a director. Oh, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I like a lot. Guy Ritchie directed it with Jason Statham. He was not my favorite actor or anything, but, but you know, it was a, it, it was a fine, it was, a, you know, it was an okay movie. I can see why, like, it didn't stick in my head, but, you know, it was, it was okay. I kind of feel like, I feel like Guy Ritchie's heart was broken by Man from Uncle's poor performance, and he oh. hasn't he hasn't really thrown himself into a movie since. Like, like I know he did like that King Arthur one, but you know it was okay. It was an okay movie, but since then he's done like he did Aladdin for Disney, Wrath of Man. He did The Gentleman, which I liked. I thought Gentleman was pretty good, but it feels like this movie came out so quickly after The Gentleman that he couldn't have spent much time on it. Almost like he was just a like hired gun and just came into maybe does it a favor to Jason Statham. I don't know, but it was, it was fine, but it had some, you know, the, the action sequences were really well staged and everything. And it had some actors I like. It had the guy from, uh, Burn Notice in it. And, okay. And, um, it'd be funny if like, after all that, you're like, I just can't, I don't know what it is. And then you look it up and it's a memento. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you're like, Oh, of course. And then you get ready for bed, take off your shirt, big tattoo on your chest saying memento. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the funny thing because I like literally I remembered what it was and then I forgot again. So I was talking with someone else about it. I was like, "Man, I watched this movie." And I was, was going to say, and then I, you know, it was, but and I was like, "Oh, you know what? I can't remember what it was again." It's so weird how it didn't slip, you know, it just didn't stay in my head. And maybe it, maybe it's not that good a movie. I don't know. I didn't. I enjoyed it while watching it. It was fine, but I guess it's not very memorable. Anyhow, Wrath of Man. It's on Netflix if people want to see it. Guy Ritchie. There you He's go. a good director, but I don't know the the movie was kind of back and forth in it is in time and and it kind of i don't know it was it was okay yeah uh, i remember when uh, movies started coming back and it was one of the first ones that was out there mm-hmm. and I, I almost went to see it just because i just want to see a movie yeah 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 uh, maybe i'll see that i like jason satham it'll be fine it'll be fine yeah it'll be fine and yeah. then you went you remember crank two and like i know but remember crank one? Oh yeah crank was good how about crank two? Oh no i did see that oh Okay, well, maybe I'll see it. And I saw something else in this one. <laughs> it's funny. I, I I talked my kids into watching uh, Crank, and they didn't like it. Oh, well, they're wrong. I was like, yeah, I was like, what do you guys know? Good movie. Who raised you? Who raised? <laughs> That's what the idiot raised you. Don't, don't don't. Oh wait a second! Don't tell me that. Don't answer that question. Anywho, everyone, uh, Hawkeye's good. So um, mm-hmm. let's uh. So let's give uh, David Asha some credit there, guys. Smarten up on that. Uh, getting the Matt Fraction, uh, getting him, getting the executive consultant thing, and uh, not the artist, yeah, not the artist, yeah. Yeah, Aja doesn't get, uh, you know, doesn't get the the shout out for like you copying his style for the opening and ending and all the, you know, uh, the, the, the 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 you know whatever logo. Come on, start up. Mm, yeah, fix that nonsense. Actually, I didn't know. I didn't notice that he wasn't thanked in the credits or anything. So. I don't know if he's thanked, but he's not uh, getting any dough. Whereas Matt Fraction is as the yeah. executive consultant. He's getting uh, it's it's kind of getting tied in now with uh, Ed Brubaker's complaints about um, later uh, uh, Winter Soldier stuff, mm. where you know he was getting the nod and the hay and the who uh, a little early, and then uh, eh, not so much when the TV show comes out. Like, <laughs> okay, so uh, you know Marvel, listen, you're Disney. Hey, you know you got a little. So why not spend a little of mouse bucks on a way to make the artists happy? How about that? And also, you own Hulu, so how about you tell them? <laughs> go back to Coke. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Pepsi. Go with Coke. Too true. Yeah. 
All right. Well, on those wise words of wisdom, wise wisdom, let's 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 call this show done. Let's call the show over. Let's call the show Cinders. All right. <laughs> let's burn it. We're let's burn it down. Cinderfellas. Yeah. Cinderfellas. Yeah, Cinderfellas. So, everyone, thank you for listening to the show this week. We will return in... Oh, wait a second. I guess I should tell you what to do because you want to answer those questions that we asked. Those yeah. questions were, what do you like about the thing, that stuff that happens, and what would you do if something went there and that thing happened? So, you want to answer those questions, go to our website. Our website is sneakydragon.com. You will find this show there, and you can comment on it. And we do like to read your comments out, so please feel free to comment. It's a busy time of year, I think, because we haven't had as many comments from people. But uh, in fact, we didn't get any from Ed this time. Yeah, we got to check if he's okay. Uh, yeah, I hope he's all right. All right. Ed, Ed Dragansky, email us your pulse. So um, you can go there, yes. Or if you want to be, uh, yeah, I said email us. If you want to email, if like Ed, you want to email us your pulse, you may do so at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. That is our email address. We're on Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon. We are also on Facebook, Sneaky Dragon, and you can go there. Uh, Nettie asked a question. She asked if I was watching the Beatles get back. And the answer is no, I'm recording Sneaky Dragon. <laughs> so there you go. So I plan to watch it tomorrow night with a pizza. That's my plan. Ah, okay. And I'm going to stick to it, even though I have an insurance person coming now tomorrow. But so you're going to watch all three episodes tomorrow, or are they all out at once? I don't know. I don't know how they. uh, They don't know. Are they Disney Plusing it where they do the uh, once a week business? I think I think it might be a once a week thing, or or spread it over time, which is fine. I don't mind that. I'm okay with that. So uh, and you know, once once they're all out, then you can rewatch them and watch them in this one giant six hour lay on the couchathon. So everyone, we will see you. I guess we won't see you, but we will be in your vicinity of your ears next week and we look forward to it so everyone have a great week and we'll talk soon peace out pizza no no peace out oh sorry (laughs) 